Hello? What's up? What's up? Hey, Carl, what's up? Welcome to Bombhole Group Chat number eight. It's a beautiful show today here in the booth presented by Smith Optics and, of course, Run Through a Wall Smelling Salts. Now, this show is a hub for discussion of current snowboarding topics. We're going to talk videos, contests, product, industry, all things snowboarding. And most of the topics are submitted by you guys our Patreon members, and also via Instagram. Huge thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Blackstrap, CB Days, Smith, Mammoth, GoPro, Master Plan Communications, and Bubs Naturals. Now in studio, we have an all-star cast. Uh, to my right, we got Bodie Merrill. What's happening, Bodie? Not much, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Happy to hear me. Happy to be here. Uh, to my left, we got Harrison Gordon and Shane Charleba. How we doing, boys? What's happening? Doing really well, Chris. Yeah, we're doing awesome. Love that. It's a good crew. And uh, Silk D, a little under the weather. So we have uh, Jules Spadero, the glue to the bomb hole in studio. What's happening, Jules? I'm just having fun pretending to be Silk. Nice. Feels good. Uh, as anybody that's watching will notice, there's an influencer light. Uh <laughs> So we wanted to make sure that Jules was dialed in with the lighting situation. So we didn't go with normal studio lights that we have on our side. We wanted to make sure that there's an influencer light. So for those of you who are listening, it's a circular light that you'll see influencers use. Uh, How's it feel, Jules? I mean, listen, I couldn't just let the men have all the good lighting while I just like sit in the corner looking busted. I don't know how Silk hasn't brought it up yet. He must not be up on his influencing, but... um. Yeah, it's a necessary item. Thank you. Yep. And Thank you for hearing women, Chris. Well, and that will remain here for the remainder of the bomb hole. Silk will never get an actual light. It will always be a $20 influencer light. So. It works, though, and it's bright, so it's it's perfect. Yeah, we're excited about the influencer light. And this episode is presented by Smith Optics, born on the mountains in Sun Valley, Idaho, and built from innovation with the first thermo-sealed snow goggle. Smith has been outfitting riders with confidence to experience more since 1965. To Smith, the experience is everything. Head on over to smithoptics.com to learn more. Now let's get into the show. Uh, I figured we'd start off with the the Montclair binding debacle. Uh, If those of you are unfamiliar, uh, Montclair's in high fashion. Uh, Jules knows more about fashion. Do you know anything about Montclair, Jules? I do. Thanks for asking. It's an Italian luxury fashion house. So, you know, that's all you really need to know. The fashion show was actually great. They did it, like, in the forest. It was beautiful. And my opinion on the bindings is that it was funny. And, like, if I'm a B-list celebrity, I'm probably going to buy my outerwear from them because they seem... Like, they know what's up. I like that take. (laughs) So maybe to the listeners that aren't able to see the picture, uh, maybe Shane, you could explain what these bindings look like. Um, I mean, what would you say the angles are in those bindings? Like 60, negative 90. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to go out on a limb, though, and they're from Europe, right? So maybe they just look at angles a little more progressive than we do. Good point. Good point. So, wow. I wouldn't put it past them to ride those angles. That's a hot take. Um, what do you want to know? I mean, I just <laughs> want to know pe- people's takes on it. You know, uh, I have a theory that, that, okay. So the, just to provide context, the whole internet went crazy. Anybody that saw this was like, what a joke, high fashion and snowboarding this and that. And the other thing, my take is they're actually geniuses because we're, we're all talking about it. 
maybe maybe it was a ploy that was done tactfully. Snowboarders are thinking it was like cultural appropriation. People were mad. That's a pretty big, uh, pretty big step, I think, to call it that. But I think you know it's not functional, obviously. So someone did fuck up. Obviously, this is not. Happening. Yeah, I don't think it was on purpose. Yeah. But it is functional. I saw Phil Hansen riding that exact same stance, and uh, I think at Mission Ridge, and he was hitting rails on it. He looked good. Phil could ride <laughs> yeah, any stance. He could do it for really sure. Good. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Maybe we're all blowing it, and that's the stance that we should be riding. Maybe we need to experiment more. I mean, basically everyone's riding the exact same stance, give or take a few degrees. Maybe we need to experiment. Yeah, Pigeon, I mean, pigeon could actually be really good for your knees. Uh, I do know a handful of people who ride zero zero, and it looks pigeons to me. But I agree with that. Like Ozzy, he rides zero zero. He's one of the best snowboarders on the planet. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, like Bob Ross says, happy accidents. That's what it's all about. Maybe someone did it, and then they tried it, and they liked it, and they loved it, and we're just the ones that are missing out. You know. I feel like there's a lot of things in Europe that we miss out on. So absolutely, you know, absolutely. So you open. think it could be a marketing ploy to sell product, like they did it on purpose? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, allegedly. I will say for legal purposes, uh, but but in all honesty, like if if that was their master plan, where it's like we're gonna put these fucked up bindings on here, and the internet's gonna be an uproar and go crazy, like they're they'd be geniuses for it. Well, could the real be. question is, who's the mastermind behind Montclair? But I thought they just sell outerwear, not actual hard goods. It's hard to say if you don't know, Jules. Well, <laughs> I had never heard of Montclair before, and now I know who they are. So maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe it's also like the, the you know, they're going to start waxing the top of the board instead of the bottom. And then uh, once again, maybe we're missing out. We're too stuck in our ways. These guys are giving us a whole new outlook. I love it. All right, we're going to keep things moving here. We got a ton of stuff to cover. I just want to fill you guys in for what we got coming down later in the show. Uh, We have an interview with Charlie Duffy. He is the gentleman that survived a mountain lion attack in the Utah backcountry. Wild story, uh, pre-recorded. That's later in the show. He fought the thing off with his snowboard. It's it's a crazy story. So we're going to have that later in the show. We're going to have a call with Kelsey Boyer from Save a Brain. We're going to talk products. She's got a lot of great insight around helmets. Uh, we have a call with Sage Kotzenberg. Uh, he's always hilarious. And then Victor Daviet is going to pop in the studio a little bit later. He's from France. Uh, he's a ripping pro snowboarder competing in Natty Select this year. So he's going to pop in for a quick interview. We're going to talk Red Bull Heavy Metal. Uh, we're also going to do some natural selection picks. We're going to call T-Bird, see if he answers. He's like the all things natural selection guy. He's got all our answers. So that's kind of what we got in the show for you guys today. What's what's in store. Uh, we also have Instagram and Patreon questions, but we are going to start things off with a draft. And for snowboarders who don't know anything about sports, which is most of you, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Nils Mindick shoot a basketball. But it is horrendous. Have you ever seen that, buddy? I have not, no. Yes. So a lot of snowboarders don't know anything about sports. A draft is when, uh, let's take an NFL team, for example, a new crop of players comes up from college, and they get to pick their athletes, so to speak. And once somebody's picked, you can't pick them again. So we can't do repeat picks. We're going to do top three tricks that we could do for the rest of our life, and also top three worst tricks. Uh, and then we're going to put together, we're, we're all going to have our three picks and that's going to be our, we're going to put on Instagram and you guys can vote who has the best picks. I don't know if that's too confusing or not. 
uh, and we're going to do it snake draft style. So, um, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. What do you guys want to start with? Favorite tricks or worst tricks? Favorite. All right. How about ladies first? Ladies oh, first. Such ladies a good idea. Okay, a great we're picking idea. the top tricks that I would do for the rest of my life. Yep. An ollie. Ollie. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Are you t- keeping track of these, Jules? Okay. Bodie? I'm going to go with a frontside powder turn. Is that a trick? I, yeah, it's a trick, oh, that's right? That's a trick. Yeah. Sure. That's debatable. For you some think people, it's, debatable? it's a trick. For some people. I would tricks. say a frontside powder turn is the best feeling you can have on a snowboard. I like that. I like that take. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm just going to go backside 180. It's a timeless classic. Uh, park jump, small jump, bump in the run, groomer, back one. Oh, also, we're going to do 15-second timers because Harrison's here, so um, just going to go ahead and just start that timer now. McTwist. Wow, good Ooh. answer. Nice. That, that's a good one. Thank you. I'm going to go with a method. I think a method is like the tail whip of snowboarding. You know, tail whips and dirt biking. Like a moto whip? Yeah. Not a razor scooter tail whip? No, no. And since we're doing snake draft, it goes to you again, and it comes back this direction. Oh, damn. All right. I'm going to go with a a backside rodeo. Ooh. I like that trick. I wish I could do that trick myself. You can Uh, do anything you put your mind to, Harrison. You can do that trick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Is the 15 seconds? Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's actually up. We're going to auto pick you frontside 360. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> what, do you, what do you got? Keep, keep it going. Um, yeah, I would say to go big in a half pipe. <laughs> so what's the trick? Like, that is a trick. Big air pumping half pipe airs. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Interesting pick. I like that pick, Harrison. I'm going to be honest with you. Thank you. I'm going to be honest with you, Harrison. I don't like that pick. (laughs) I'm going to go. I'm going to go backflip. Backflip. Bad pick. (laughs) You can do it anywhere. You don't have to turn. Um, I know Bodie. He was thinking of that one potentially. I'm pretty pissed. That was going to be my pick. Yes. And now I'm completely lost because if I can't do a backflip for the rest of my life, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Might as well quit. Do you think you'll go for backside turn so you can like kind (laughs) of pair them together? What about that pick? Um, no, I think I only want to do a heel side turn for the rest of my life. I'll just go falling leaf in powder, you yeah. know, switch front side, regular front side. Not an ambi turn. You're going not an front ambi. side powder turn and then heel side turn. <laughs> and then a switch front yeah, side Yeah, why not? There, there's no rules. Is there's, that, there's is that no your official pit second pick? No, no. <laughs> um, <sighs> God damn it. Um, no, I'm no, All right, I'm we got, lost. We're running out of time. You here. know, I'm going to go front side 360, even though that was an auto pick for him. Front side 360 is one of the most classic tricks. It's always a feel good one. And I love that one. I like that pick. That's a solid. That was one. That was my That's third pick. pick. Okay. Uh, okay. Jules, you're up. Front lip. Front side lip slide. Front side lip slide. Proper. Bold choice. It I like it. used to be my nice. trusty dusty trick and then I broke my collarbone, but I'll get it back. Oh, did you ping on the way up? I literally like... Went turbo Mach 100. I was just like nervous and scared, and I like went off the lip and like was dangling in space, and then I fell and broke my collarbone. Respect. That's but a, I used to front a, lip like kink rails and shit. I was out there. Okay, so this is your third and final pick here, Jules. Oh for, my god, I'm going again. Yeah, snake draft again. It's a snake draft. Um, um, and uh, fi- nine, fr- uh, f- uh, just a front eight, fifty fifty seven front fifty fifty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so you got, what are your three picks? Ollie, <laughs> front lip, front 50. I'm a casual boarder. Yeah, okay. Those are solid. You should be able to do those for a long time. So yeah, I'm going to be able to do them forever. All right, Bodie, what's your third and final pick? All right, so I went turn, and then I went airtime. Um, so I'm going to go... I'm going to round it out here, kind of across the board, and I'm going to go backside lip slide. Because that is a classic wow, feel-good trick. That is, that's a great yeah. choice. Thanks. That's a great choice. Okay, that's yeah, that's a solid top three. So this is my third and final pick here. Um, I think I'm probably going to steal this one from Harrison, but I'm going to go cab five. Um, and here's here's my reasons why. Uh, it's a great step down trick. It's it's basically a backside 360, but it like appears to be more difficult, but it's really not. So uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So that's backflip, back one, cab five. If I could do those the rest of my life, I'm a happy camper. Harrison, what do you got for your third and final? Well, I just want to say that was a really good, really good trick. Um, final trick for me, I got, uh, what is my first one? McTwist and then Big Air in the half pipe. And then my final trick I think that I would like to be able to do forever is a backside seven. Hmm. Good Great choice. choice. Yeah. That's good. Okay. That would feel so good. Yeah. I love, I love that. I would love that. I would love that for myself. Well, sounds good. I think... Um, um, for me, the method, the backside rodeo, and then I'm going to have to go with the backside slash and pow. Mm. <laughs> Fat toe side. You know, toe side, kneecaps nowhere near rocks, and just gouging away. I feel like that's a good feeling. Damn, I think Shane's a contender for the win here. Again, we're going to post all these on Instagram, and you guys can vote. Uh, that's how we're going to determine our winners for this. Uh, so that was, that was the best tricks. And now for an uh, even more fun topic, our top three Worst tricks, least favorite tricks, what have you. Um, we're going to run through it the same way, snake draft style. Uh, who's starting us off? Jules, take us back in. Okay, so worst tricks, here's my thing. I, like, don't have a mathematical brain. So anything over 540, you're, you lost me. It's no longer fun for me to watch. I can't relate to it. So my answer would be any spin over 540. Great take. That's a hot take. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's a super good one, yeah. Um. I'm going to go with the trend of the lay down Euro carve where you're not actually carving. You're just sliding on your stomach and people seem to think it's like an actual turn. Um, but you're not actually doing anything. You're just sliding on your stomach. I love that. I know uh, that's, you know, makes me think of Canute Eliasson. And uh, I love that's a, that is a hot take. That's a hot little potato right there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm probably... You know, I'm going to start it off with, I think I'm just going to go straight boot grab. You know, uh, I've been there before, accidental, and you're latched onto that thing, and you're just like, God, God damn it. You know, so uh, I'm going to go boot grab for my uh, P1, my pick number one. Okay, I'm going to go for, like, pretzel outs where your whole body is kind of distorted, and you're like, do you know what I'm saying? Kind of like the really ugly. We just call that ugly pretzels out. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, it's m one of my least favorite things to see. In this great, great answer. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'm gonna go with um, probably one of the most controversial grabs, the frontside indie. Wow. <laughs> yep. Wow, yeah. Shane. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that. You know, I, I just want to I just want to stop us here through round one. This has been an electric round one of this draft for worst tricks. Now let's head into round two. Shane, we're heading right back to you. <laughs> All right, coming back for another one. I'm going to go with the um, probably the most beloved worst grab, the Tindy. Mm. I'm going Tindy. That's a classic. Yeah. 
It's a classic. I mean, I was torn between that or the mute straight air, but mm-hmm. we're going Tindy. Okay. And so I'm going to say my second least favorite trick, worst trick, would probably be when you, yeah, the half cab on, front side three out. Doing that kind of a, that kind of a thing. I don't like that. That's All a classic. Right. All right. Yeah. Um, specifically on rails. What about in on a jump or powder or point, you know Bodhi. butter box? Yeah. What, what's what's so harsh about that? I don't know. I think just it seems not tasteful to me. I think a lot of people point that one out, but mostly I guess I was thinking about rails. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily thinking about the backcountry or just on a pillow or something. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. That's a, that's another hot take. Uh, I mean, I have so many, so many bad tricks going through my mind, uh, you know, but I'm going to go with, call me, call me an old head here. Throw me in the old head pot. Uh, call me old fashioned ride on rails, ride on ledges. Uh, I guess I've just, I see it trending and, uh, I'm personally just not a fan. I'm just not a fan of the ride on situation. So ride on rails, ride on ledges, uh, will be my, uh, round two draft pick for worst tricks. Bodie, what do you got? Um, here's another controversial one, hot take, um, and I don't even know what to call it. It's kind of like a back scratcher method, but it's not, like, it's people, it's acceptable. And it's the one where people kind of go back scratcher and then lift their back leg up and they could grab. But if, like, sometimes they don't grab and it still looks like a method and the photo's always, like, it runs and people run it. But that's not an acceptable method to me. Yeah, so it's like you bring your legs up and you could choose, you could just not even grab. Like yeah. it's like you donkey kick yourself in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm on board with that take. I think that's a hot take. Yeah, I love that one. What are we Good What pick. are we Good calling pick. that for the list? Method donkey kick. Um, you just I, put it as like a, a suitcase. You know, it's not yeah. a suitcase method because suitcase you go straight back and you you grab the other edge. Mm-hmm. You grab the toe edge. Isn't I'd that say, a what about a, just a was- soggy method? But it, yeah, all right. But it's like downturn, like, uh, it's hard to explain. It's hard to... I mean, we're going to need to actually label this properly back, back or donkey method. kick method. Can we, we can just... have a reference clip, perhaps. Yeah, can we just choose a photo and that's that's it? <laughs> Shots fired. Everyone be on all your right, toes. All right, I'll find the photo. <laughs> Hopefully it's not you. Okay. Um, mine, my next round two would be... Not necessarily a trick, but when people are hitting rails and they have, like, straight legs. Locked legs. Locked legs. Mm. And I'm going to accept that answer because I'm the general manager, so we're going to say that's a go. Okay, so that's kind of, okay, it's not necessarily a trick, but it's just kind of bad style, I guess. Generally bad style. That's (laughs) my second least favorite trick. And then me again. Yeah, well, let's just just take a quick breather because that's two rounds of this draft. (sighs) And we're getting ready to head into round three. I mean... Drafts are an interesting thing. Look at Tom Brady. He was drafted 199. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. So the third round of a draft is important. Focus up. Let's head into round three. Jules, what do you got? So my round three, um, Zeeching, unless you're one of the girls in the Dirty Pimp crew because they Zeech all the time and they're sick. Okay. I love it. Count it. To um, you, Bodie. Okay. Um I have something to say. I actually love Zeeches. I used to, you know, make fun of them, obviously, and now I'm so down for them. Anytime I see one, I'm like, you know, it sparks a little happiness inside me. Um, For my third and final pick, I'm going to go with the tailfish because 
I think that's the worst one of the no grab zones. And I was thinking about Tindy and I was thinking about all these insane clips of Mark Frank back in the day. And he's doing these insane spins and jumps and he's grabbing Tindy. And I'm like, damn, that looks pretty sick. <laughs> Tindy so, proof. Um, well, yeah, maybe Marco's just Tindy proof, but, uh, I agree with you. It's, it's bad, but I'm going to go tailfish. That's a good, that's a great choice. I think as far as a no grab zone, I think you're right on target with that. Uh, I, for my third and final pick here, had a lot going through. I thought about bomb drops, but then I was like, I'm kind of pro bomb drop actually. Mm -hmm. So that's not, that's not in it for me. I'm going to go bad turning, like a bad turn. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, maybe some dramatic arm movements that are totally unnecessary, because uh, I'll say a great turn done beautifully is one of my favorite things, but a, a poorly executed turn that's over dramatic is is one of my least favorite things. So that's my that's my top three. That's pretty good. I like that answer too. Um, I think for me the third answer is going to be like not beaming, but just. Afterbang, like kind of untasteful afterbangs to me are really, it can turn something really impressive into something that um, I just laugh at because I'm, because you wrote away like a dumbass. You know what I mean? I do. These are, these are gray areas though. Cause is this a trick? Like the lock legs is technically not a trick. The, the right away isn't a trick. Does anybody else have a... Well, if that's not a trick, then bad turning is not a trick. Bad turning is a trick. Uh, <laughs> I'd right. say they're all in the same boat. Because, okay. like, never mind. <laughs> all right. You know, what? I, you know what? I like my pick. I'm going to shut up and <laughs> let's can carry on. I think it's another uh, topic to talk about. What is a trick? Wow. Okay, let's, well, let's finish up this. Let's, what is the trick? All right. So for my third pick, I mean, there's so many to choose from but if i was going to choose my third favorite worst trick it would be the knee grab Mm. i'm gonna go knee grab solid because at no point in growing up skating was i ever thinking scope this knee grab you know that never happened once yeah i don't know if that would work so uh, yeah maybe it does (laughs) maybe skaters grab their knees now i mean kids are doing 1080s 1260s on skateboards right they're probably tucking it. They're grabbing the board probably. and then they're probably doing that thing. The double grab board, board knee? That thing. The thing that snowboarders do. I mean, maybe too. if your hand's resting on the knee, it's one thing. But if it's like a double knee hugging scenario, it's just, you know, well, my third and favorite worst trick. So what does everybody, does everybody remember their, t- their top three? Let's run through them. Jules? Top three? Worst? Yeah, worst. Run through them. Chris, boot grab, ride on rails slash ledges, bad turning. Shane, frontside indie, tindy, knee grab. Harrison, pretzel, ugly pretzels out. Half cab on, front threes out, on rails, after bang. Bodie, laid down euro carve, soggy method, tail fish. Jules, any spin over 540, bad style, zeech. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think we got some, those are some spicy takes. All right, quick interruption of your programming to talk to you about a couple things. First things first, just went to Red Bull Heavy Metal in Minnesota. It was electric, and we dropped a recap of it on our YouTube channel, Red Bull Weekend Recap. It's on the Bombholes YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe. It turned out great. We also are doing a full broadcast of the event uh, that will air the 25th on ESPN2. Me and Todd Richards having full 
verbal diarrhea. It was a great time. We had a blast calling it. Uh, another announcement, we got new sticker packs. I'm a sticker nerd. I collect them. I put them on everything. I got a big box full of stickers. So we have a 33 sticker sticker pack. This thing's bursting at the seams, all redesigned. Check that out at bombhole.com, where you can also find information regarding the Bombhole Cup, which is April 6th and 7th at Brighton. It's our marquee event. It's our Super Bowl. It's the Bombhole Cup. So day one is a bank solemn. All ability levels. There's usually about 400 competitors is where we cap it. Two courses. Everyone from beginner all the way to pro. There's a class for you, so be sure to sign up before it fills up. Uh, we also do day two is a park showdown. So we have open class, which is all ability levels competing for product. We have a Grom class. Then we have a pro class, which we always open with the mandatory 900. And then uh, this year we're doing a national anthem, which will be electric. Uh, we also have the limo. We're doing a rail over the limo this year, which will be really fun for the pro class. And huge announcement, we're doing a legends class for both the bank slalom and the park showdown. So that's going to be old pros or current pros that are over the age of 40 years old. So we got Kevin Jones confirmed. Been talking to Jeremy Jones, Seth Hewitt, JP Walker. We got Chad Otterstrom. We got all the hitters of our generation that are going to come out of the woodwork and compete, which will be very, very fun to watch. So be sure to check out the Bombhole Cup April 6th and 7th. Still looking into uh, military flyovers. So hopefully we can get a fighter jet to buzz the towers right after the national anthem. We're trying to make this basically the Super Bowl of snowboarding. So be sure to check out Bombhole Cup April 6th and 7th. And now let's get back to the show. Now let's lean into what uh, Shane just brought up. What makes what a, is trick? a trick? What is a trick? Yeah, what is a trick? That's so philosophical, Shane. Classic. But I mean, if it's hard for <laughs> you, if it's hard for you to do something, does that make accomplishing it a trick? I think it's a uh, it's yes. an execution of a movement from beginning to end. So when you're when we're saying, you know, we're you know, the end of this is what I don't like. I don't know if that's necessarily a trick because it's not, you know, beginning to end execution. So what if you do something by accident while you're trying to do your trick? Um, I don't know. Like Bob Ross said, it's a happy accident. Right. So you're just coming straight at Harrison's after bang pick. Yeah, I feel, I felt like he looked at me <laughs> when I he said it. <laughs> <laughs> what about, in hindsight, we probably should have clarified what a trick is. Right, right. Um, well, there is uh, the famous quote. Nico said there's really only one trick. Strap Lying. in. Oh. <laughs> Actually, the, I like that. I've also heard Shane say sometimes the trick is just showing up. I was going to say the same thing, Chris. I think <laughs> that's your quote. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say my own quote. <laughs> Which is, you want to elaborate on that, Shane? No, it's true. I think the number one trick to every single thing that any of us can do is show up. That's the trick. But as far as what we're talking about with tricks and snowboarding... What is a trick? You know, I think the trick is figuring it out, you know, and maybe the trick is just having fun. Is turning a trick for some like anything yeah. intentional, like maybe like not just turning down the mountain, but like an intentional turn could be a trick. Mm. Turning is 100% a trick. You know, you start and you can't turn, you can't do anything. And you like the point is to learn how to get down the mountain and part of that is like the trick to going down the mountain. So everything, every movement 
that you try to execute, like a turn is a trick. I don't, that's what I think. I like that take. That's good stuff. Well, I'm going to get into a quick Instagram question from Viewfinder. He says, should people under 40 be able to make careers out of turning? Shane, I'll let you field this one. Um, well, you know, I think there's definitely a certain degree of, um, in young, youthful snowboarding realms, it's about pushing yourself. And I think that's the key. If you can clearly identify that you're not really pushing yourself, then I would say yes. It's similar to, you know, people milking a longboard and surfing for too long. At one point, are you going to ride the other, the short boards, the fun boards, you know? Because if you're pushing yourself, you're definitely riding the other boards. So, I mean, look at like Gooch, for example. If you're going to pay someone to do a turn, pay that guy, you know? There's so many people that are, I think, deserving of that, that legendary status that includes turning. But, if, you know, if companies want someone younger, that, that's fun too. It's hard for me to, like, think of anybody who's actually doing that. So I can think of some people. I don't know. I feel like, um, I guess, I guess, I, I get what he's saying. Like, oh, no, they shouldn't be able to. But at the same time, I guess I'm also happy for anyone who can, uh, who can do their thing, I suppose. You know? Like, I think that comment comes from a little bit of jealousy. Oh, you're going, you're going <laughs> psychological analysis. Yeah, because I think may, maybe they think they can turn better than some of these people who are turning. I think, yeah, I think it depends on how beautiful your turn is. If you have one of the most beautiful turns in snowboarding and people want to watch it over and over again, and then that's deserving of something. Um, but, you know, it's pretty hard to have, a, a, you know, an iconic timeless turn. There's only a few people out there handful. that can do it. Yeah. Totally. I like that take. I think, you know, I'm going to contradict myself because that's what I do on this show. I think there's two parts to it. One, you should do whatever you want on a snowboard. And however you're having fun, whoever's having the most fun is winning. Whoever's enjoying their experience the most is the person who's winning snowboarding, so to speak. That's what it's about. However, when you get into getting paid to do something, which is what Finder asked, I believe, right? Making a career out of it. I believe, my personal opinion, is that when you're young, you should be getting bodied. You should be catching air. You should be getting annihilated while your body will allow so. And then once the joints start hurting, the knees don't stop working, then you can master the art of the turn. But who am I to say? That's my take. I think you should just keep pounding your body until you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I want to keep trying double corks and, you know, 80-foot jumps and destroying myself until I can't do it anymore. Like, I want to keep filming the gnarliest shit I can until I'm 80. Mm -hmm. Which is sick because I think some of the best turns that you do are right after you stomp something ridiculous. For sure, yeah. You know? Yeah, every time I try to execute a turn on film, I fail miserably. It's it's really hard. <laughs> but if you're just freestyling in the moment, that's when you get the best movement. I love it. This is a great take. All right, we're going to talk about one of our favorite brands, and that's Bub's Naturals. Now, Jeremy Jones broke both his legs in an avalanche, and he swears by the collagen. It really helps with joints. It helps with skin. It helps with nails. Uh, it helps with recovery from exercise. But we've, we've talked a lot about the Bubs Naturals collagen. It's trusted. It's great. But they have some new products we want to talk to you about. They got the Hydrate or Dye electrolyte packs. 
They got 2,000 milligrams of electrolytes. They're vegan. There's no added sugar. Most of these electrolyte drinks have tons of sugar. Uh, Gluten-free. There's no artificial flavors or colors or preservatives. It's hydration packs that are good for you. And I drink them regularly. I love the, the lemon-lime. That's the one I put in the water on a regular basis. Helps keep me hydrated. And 10% of all of their profits go to charity. They have a incredible story from the founder and the origin. So if you want to support a great company that gives back to snowboarding, be sure to support Bub's Naturals. They also have their Bub's Brew Coffee. And you can use promo code BOMBHOLE to save 20% off at bubsnaturals.com. Now that brings us to a great conversation we like to have. Because now we're first-generation snowboarders. A lot of our parents didn't snowboard. So there's not like a lot of like surfing's kind of an older generation. People have been doing it for generations, right? So with snowboarding, we're going to get into oldest tricks. I'm really excited. Like Bodie, let's throw your name in the hat. What age do you think you're going to be able to McTwist still? Um, dude, I can't McTwist. That's not <laughs> right? true. You're lying. Yeah, you can do it with like melon. You're that. lying. Um, you can McTwist nose grab. Yeah. Okay. You did yes. a backcountry McTwist like two days a week ago. I've been trying to do backcountry McTwist for the last couple of years. I can't really execute them well. Um, I did one in the mini pipe a few years ago, but I wouldn't say that's one of my like go-to tricks. I'm saying like Chad, oh, he could McTwist into his 70s probably. Um, me, I probably could do one for the next 10 years if I really tried, but it's not like a trick I work on. Whereas like I could probably backflip when I'm 80. Yes. Yeah. Do you think as long as you build a walk, you can do the backflip? Yes. I love that. That's also the coolest part about snowboarding is how young it really is. Because Craig would have been the grandfather at some point. Jake, you know, these people that are no longer with us. So I think it's really cool how we're actually witnessing the growth of snowboarding where we're going to see the grandfather tricks going down. Like, you know, DCP is going to be sending something in Whistler when he's 70, and we're going to be like, just as amazed, if not more. Oh, I love that. And I'm on a quest right now, actually, to do uh, the oldest triple cork. I'd like to do a triple cork this year. And if, if I do, and I'll probably, I think I'll be the oldest person to have done one. And um, I think there's a handful of people who could battle me in that. Um, Chad O could probably definitely do a triple cork easy. KJ? Uh, KJ could probably do a triple cork. He did the triple back. Right, um, he might own the oldest triple cork right now. Well, yeah. are, are you thinking front side or are you thinking cab? I'd, I'd say backside or front side, depending on the jump that I find. I, I feel like both of those are in contention, but also the triple backflip. That's not Does a triple cork. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he right. is the owner of the oldest triple back, I would say. Mm. And Chad O is the owner of the oldest double cork, mm. right? Absolutely. Yep. And so while we're on the subject, I'm going to hijack this for a second and talk about Baumhole Cup because that's April 6th and 7th at Brighton. Now, day one is a bank solemn, which is all ability levels. We have a beginner class. If it's your first year snowboarding, come check it out. Uh, we also have all the age groups. We have an industry class. We have pro class. And this year in both the park showdown and the bank slalom, we're doing a legends class. So pros, ex-pro snowboarders or current pro snowboarders over the age of 40 are all competing in both the rail jam park showdown, which also has a jump and the bank slalom. And we're going to do an overall. So that means we're going to get to see Jeremy Jones, Chad Otterstrom, Kevin Jones is confirmed. Uh, Todd Richards. We're going to get to see a lot. Like, we, I haven't even really fully done the invites yet, but I'm really excited 
to see the the pros that we looked up to, Seth Hewitt, they're going to be battling it out uh, on both the Bank Slalom and the Park Showdown, which I think is is cool for snowboarding to see our heroes. Like, I can't wait to turn 40 to enter this thing. You know, I know I, I can't compete with the young dogs, but I'm like, when I turn 40, I might have a chance. You know what I'm saying? So um, be sure to check that out April 6th and 7th at Brighton. Bodie, you got some hardware as well, right? Yeah, in the vintage board race division. <laughs> I'm not good enough to compete in the main, you know, bank slaloms, but, you know, slap a vintage board under my feet. There's not as much competition. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we do vintage boards, so boards pre-2000, I think it is, or pre-1990s. I think it was, yeah, the 90s. Pre-1998 or something like that, but yeah. So if you got a vintage board, you can come race that, take that thing off the wall. Uh, it's always really fun to see all the old, like, people on old Craig Kellys and... Kempers and all kinds of old boards. So, um, yeah, look forward to Bommel Cup. What do you guys think about the Legends Division? Sounds awesome. Love it. Yeah, I want to. I want to be there. I want to watch that one. Uh, what defines the legend? Is it age group or is it status? I would say to me, it's ex pros or current pros because Travis Rice is technically over forty years old. How old is he? Pros over forty years old. Pros over forty or ex pros or ex pros. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, going back to... Um, I don't know how old he is. One thought about the over 40 and getting paid to turn thing. One thing that we should talk about, though, just in full respect, is what Taro and those guys in Japan do. Because turning, it's not emotion. It's not a physical feat. It's like a spiritual, you know, connection with the mountain. And I feel like if we're really going to, you know, go back to that that subject for one sec, full respect to those guys. Because... You know, snowboarding is so young, but people to really worship the root of the thing, it's like worshiping the ollie in skating, you know? I mean, it's it's the source of everything. So just going to say, those guys deserve everything. I have something Absolutely. a little to add to the, the turning debate. Fired up? Um, you can tell when people are milking it. And, like, there's a lot of people who do turns for a living, but they're pushing the boundaries of adventure boarding or peaks to ride or crazy lines or, you know, that type of stuff. And you can tell they're not milking it. They're just on a different path. Maybe it's not, you know, tricks and double corks and whatever. But I think it's pretty obvious when somebody's milking the turns for for money. Not that much money, though. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Pirate that's the other part of it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this career this guy has, it's not like it, it. You know, he's not set for life probably from his turn. I would be. I've also sh- heard or their turn, or you know, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like you're kind of dancing around something here, Harrison. Do you want to get into it? Because I w- you said milking it, and I w- the first thing that came to mind is you can milk anything with nipples. I've been told as well. So uh, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Let's move on from this subject. <laughs> uh, Nitro Turbo Takes. Uh, this is from Knut Eliason. These questions are from Knut. Um, kind of rapid fire there for all of us. Um, Knut rules. He came up with those last minute, fired them over. Jules is going to read them off. Let's get into it. Harrison, what's more important for a pro snowboarder, personality or hammers? Personality. Okay, Chris, favorite trick, male and female from heavy metal? Uh, heavy metal, I'm going to say Egan did a backflip and it was insane. The crowd went bonkers. You could tell she was a little bit 
It's like scared. I saw her practicing it before she grabbed the winch, which was really insane. Uh, I love that. Uh, and then obviously the timing of Joey Fava backlip the kink. I think it was like second try when people are still warming up. Like people were still just getting familiar with 50 50s and homie just backlipped it and just the place was about to explode. So yeah, continue. That's, those are my answers. Shane, favorite snowboard clip you have ever seen. I'd say the best clip I ever saw was probably something from Craig Kelly in the beginning that, that changed my life forever. Bodie, what will be the new, what will be the hot new trick in the backcountry video parts this year? I want to say chicane, but I feel like that was the hot trick last year. Um, so now to predict the next one. Trend uh, forecast. Trend forecast. Um, Oldest triple corks. A lot of those. <laughs> um, I have no idea. Um, oh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say front rodeos. I feel like they're gaining a lot of traction right now. Frontside rodeos, frontside rodeo sevens. Okay, Silk, who had the best kit at heavy metal? I will answer on behalf of Silk. Um, I think I had the best kit at heavy metal, and I think he would agree with me. But if we had to go with snowboarders, I liked what Luke Winkleman was wearing. He was wearing, like, a jersey. That was cool. Um, Harrison, what was your first local snowboard shop? Val Surf in North Hollywood, California. Best snowboard shop, for sure. Okay, this one's for the whole class. How many spins is too many spins? We already know my answer. Anything more than one and a half spins? Um, I can count about up to 1260, and after 1260, I lose count. No comment. Spent too much time talking about this on air. You guys go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, I'm with Bodie on that. I feel like past that, it gets a little bit um, repetitive. In the words of uh, Joel Mahaffey, after 360, you're just repeating yourself. <laughs> but um, That's the best. I would say, you know what? <laughs> Spinning gets to the point it's out of control when someone has to tell you how many spins it was. That's it. Bodie, how many video parts have you filmed, and what's your all-time favorite? Oh, God. Um, I, don't know. I don't know exactly. I would think around 18, um, eight, 16 to 20 depending on what counts as a video part. Um, my favorite of all time, um, I think it's Reckless Abandon. It was the first year I did my own project and self-produced and uh, had a stellar winner. So we'll go Reckless Abandon. Got Rider of the Year, fun fact. Shane, what is it about snowboard filming that has kept you pursuing it for so many years? Um, well, for me, I think it, it all started with snowboarding, obviously. And that connection, um, I'll never forget when Whitey had hired me for Kingpin and he just said, you know what, take a moment and just stop focusing on yourself and help others. And I feel like that combination of still being in the environment that I love so much, the mountains and the snow, out with friends, um, it's not unlike, you know, if Peter Pan spends 30 years of his life flying, I don't think it, it gets old. You don't grow out of it. Harrison, how will the next generation of kids watch snowboarding in 10 years? I don't know if this is like physically or you can open for interpretation. That's a tough one. Um, but obviously the Google goggles are really popular in the news right now. So probably some form of, uh, I don't know if it's virtual reality or augmented reality or I don't know, something like that. You put it on and then you get to do uh, Bodie's, you know, 
triple cork when he was 37. Well, the first person just got uh, chipped in their brain, right? The Neuralink, so, yeah. The Neuralink. We're just, so yeah. you won't even need goggles. Soon you'll just be able to close your eyelids and watch whatever you want. Uh, we can only hope. <laughs> You're going to need to tell me more about that after this. Um, Chris, do you talk to strangers on the chairlift if you're going up single? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I rode uh, Woodward the other day with a skier kid and learned all about his life. He's, yeah. So my answer is yes. Okay. For everyone, what type of snowboard film do you prefer to watch today? Heavy streets or heavy backcountry? Uh, all-terrain vehicle. I would agree. ATVs are the funnest to watch. Yeah, I think a healthy mix is my favorite, personally. I would say that as well. I do enjoy powder and rails. Um, I'm leaning more on the powder side these days. But I'd also like to see more um, full parts movies come back. The montage style is kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm getting sick of it. I like full parts. I like that take. Uh, is that it? No, we've oh. got like four more. Okay. Shane, what advice would you give to a crew of kids trying to make a video together? Um, I'd say the first advice is be open-hearted and just have fun. It all starts with that, you know. People that get into it and uh, become overly serious, I feel like um, they're sprinting as opposed to doing the, the marathon. Harrison, what's your go-to pocket snack at the resort? Um... Lately, I've had some cough drops in there. It's not really a snack, but bronchitis vibes. Yeah, I had some cough drops, pocket snack. Yeah, high chew. I'd be, I'd be happy with a high chew. Bodie, you've done pretty much every trick possible on a snowboard. What's the one that you wanted to land but still haven't? Uh, I have a few more on the hit list that I've been trying and I haven't completed yet. Um, and I was going to save this one and hopefully put it in the next video that we're filming, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I've been working on a backflip finger flip that I haven't rode away from yet. Okay. How many years in the making? Um, I've tried it. I've only tried it two sessions. Um, so in the last two years and I've come close, um, I've landed on the board, but I can't seem to ride away. Okay. Final question for everybody. Do you believe competitive freestyle snowboarding in five years, given the level of current progression, will be a good representation of snowboarding, or will it by then have gone too far? Example, competitive ski aerials and skiing. I blacked out. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, I totally didn't <laughs> it, It's a lot anymore. of words. I get that. Do you believe competitive freestyle snowboarding in five years will be a good representation of snowboarding, or will it have gone too far? I believe it's not a very good representation of snowboarding currently. Um, every time I watch like a big air contest, I'm just lost. And, but I think that's fine, um, honestly, because there's so many different avenues of snowboarding now. So, um, so, you know, the big air jump doesn't really represent all of snowboarding. You got your turn guys and you got your backcountry freestyle uh, people and you got the rail crews. And so there's, you know, it's whatever you want to latch onto. Um, and I think they can all represent snowboarding in their own way. Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think like, like you said, it hasn't really represented snowboarding for, for a long time. Um, but really it's like, uh, you know, it's a made for TV contest a lot of the time. So 
course, to real snowboarders, that doesn't represent us. That's a whole other conversation is what is relevant in snowboarding now. Because I say this all the time. I mean, resort boarding, most relative thing in the world. If you see a clip of you doing something at Brighton, you can go there tomorrow, find that cliff, and go send it. That's so relative. I feel like the contest thing, like you were saying, Bodie, it's, it's not unlike going to Cirque du Soleil. And it's, it's really entertaining, but you rarely leave saying, I'm going to get into that high wire act or something. So what is relevant, I feel like, starts with first identifying what's everyone into. I mean, half of the people in the world probably live in your, near the streets instead of like a cool mountain. So that's why the streets are so relevant. I mean, how many people are out there by a cool mountain? I mean, really, not that many. These are great. These are great takes, everybody. I love these. And I'm gonna take. I'm gonna bite. Uh, Craig McMorris said something the other day that I thought was really good. He was like, "Look, like like competitive snowboarding. Be competitive snowboarding for you know people that want to do the hardest tricks that you can possibly do on a snowboard and be judged to do the most difficult thing that you can do. They're doing it. And like, fuck a 2160. I can't even fathom. I've been snowboarding my whole life. I could never even fathom doing that. But like, let them let them do their thing. There's still gonna be like Bodie said, great videos that come out with Devin Walsh doing a switchback one on a step down. If that's what you like, fucking watch that. You know. And you know what's funny is back in the day when I was doing Grand Prix in the late 90s, the um, the moment Michael Chuck came out and chucked like a 1440, it was pirouetted, crazy, all that stuff. People were just like, no, this is the worst. But right there, it was like, dude, there is no stopping this. You know, that's just how it goes, you know, and that's the progression of things. But once again, it's entertainment versus inspiration, you know. I also think, like, let's be real. It, it, how many people are watching snowboarding on TV? The way that the general public has access to snowboarding is through Instagram, so people can, like, see what they want to see that's representative of snowboarding and like TV snowboarding doesn't have to be the only thing that's representing it. True. Great point. All right. Those are some great takes, everybody. I love that. Uh, we're going to get into this interview with Charlie Duffy who uh, survived a wild mountain, uh, a mountain lion attack here in Utah um, out, of, out in Logan. So uh, here we go. Let's cut to that interview. All right. We got Charlie Duffy here who is just in uh mountain lion attack up in Logan. Uh, Charlie, what's going on with the situation? Can you, can you paint a picture of what happened, uh, last week up in Logan? Yeah. So, um, I was up at the mountain up here, Beaver and, uh, it was a pretty nice day. They got some fresh snow the day before. So I decided to go off in the backside. Um, you know, it's out of bounds, but it's, easy to get back to the mountain it's not you know doesn't seem super dangerous there's some nice stuff back there to hit um so i came down did my run and they have a cat track that connects back so i was walking back um and probably you know a little less than halfway i started to see some prints and you know fresher snow so i had a feeling that they were somewhat recent um, kind of put me on edge. You know, I kind of got a little scared, especially being back there by myself. Uh, kept walking and you know, about halfway, I looked over my left shoulder and, um, up on some rock brush area, there was a cat just sitting right up there. Um, 
getting ready just, I guess, to pounce on me. And right there, you know, my reflexes kind of just kicked in. I just grabbed my board immediately in my right hand. Um, kind of did like a full 180 uh, as it was pouncing on me and just clocked it right to the head. Uh, so knocked it down to the ground. Um, kind of came out. It was coming right at my neck. I had some marks up there. Honestly, I didn't feel really anything just at least during the incident, just so pumped in adrenaline. But uh, I think maybe it might have got to my neck. Honestly, could not tell you if it was or wasn't from the cat. Um, and once it was on the ground, you know, I started to get a better picture of it and saw that it was a mountain lion. Pretty big lengthwise you know, like seven to eight feet, I would say, head to tail. Um, and then it just looked really unhealthy and like distressed, starving. Uh, you know, you could see its bones. It needed a meal. And it was, you know, skinny to the bone. And it kind of got back up. And even in that state, you know, it was super disoriented just from that full swing to the head. Uh and it came back at me a couple times and I just bored, just protecting myself with my board, just pushing it back, yelling at it, just full pumped adrenaline. And, uh, you know, probably 20, 30 seconds encounter and it turned around and kind of walked off all disoriented, a little bloody. And, um, yeah, I just you know, turned around, walked away and was just like in absolute shock at what just happened. Uh, pumped adrenaline, ran back, came down to the bottom and just kind of got out of there as fast as I could. Just there's no service up there or anything. So I came home, uh, went to a friend that I have that's a doctor and called another, my doctor from back home and nothing no deep cuts thankfully uh got my jacket ripped up and yeah it was just super quick scary incident it was definitely a lot a lot of adrenaline inducing and just scared for my life but uh i made it out alive and i'm very very lucky for it you know i caught it just perfect timing even a half a second later i think it probably would have gotten to my neck and i wouldn't be here talking to you now wow charlie that's unreal what a wild yeah. story now let me ask what is the first thing you did because it's like a near-death experience situation what's the first thing you did or who's the first person you called the minute you got back to service the minute i got back to service i called my dad and i was like you know, the phone call basically went like, I was like, hey, dad. He's like, what's up? And I was like, yeah, I almost just died. And he was like, wait, what? That's not a good thing to hear. And, you know, ran through the story with him. And uh, that was just my first call. And then made a couple more calls just to make sure I was good safety wise. You know, I wasn't getting infected or anything. Um, and then I called the animal control emergency line, honestly, since. I, I'm originally from Jersey, so I didn't even know there was a 
DWR here. I didn't even realize that was who I really should have called. Um, but I gave them a phone call and, you know, they said they were going to take my name down, pass the information around. And they actually completely blew off the story and blew me off till the next day, which was super, super unfortunate because honestly, with how hard I hit that cat and how near death it looked like near dying, it already looked, you know, it looked like it was about to die as is like, I think the cat probably walked off and died somewhere, you know, but um, I called him back, you know, the next morning because I wanted to double check. I wanted to see if they found anything, if they found the cat, uh, what the deal was. And they didn't even have my story down or my name down. And then, it, you know, which really sucked because they took it down then. And then the DWR called me back, you know, an hour later that morning, came to my house, got a report. And went straight up to be looking for it. But at that point, there was there was seven inches of fresh snow on the ground. So it was just Damn. everything got covered up. And, you know, it really sucked. Because I definitely uh, would feel a lot better if, you know, I had some confirmation of that they found the cat or something. But, you know, stuff happens and... I don't know what was going on over there when I first called in, but well, let me ask you this. Oh, sorry. Yep. Sorry to interrupt you. Let me ask you this. What type of snowboard did you have? I had a nitro board. So, uh, I don't know exactly what nitro board it is. I got it probably three, four years ago. So you'd Um, say, you'd say this mountain, this, this nitro boards, mountain lion attack approved. You're, you're good with it. For sure. Absolutely love it. And they have, uh, they've treated me great. They reached out to me and, um, they're actually hooking me up with some new gear, which is awesome. Um, you know, I kind of thought coming out of this, the only thing I would get out of it was a $800 to the bank account, you know, to buy a new jacket. But, um, definitely gotten a lot of love and support from a lot of people. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's really crazy to think about, you know. I still sit here and I'm like, "Wow." Were you screaming and hollering at the top of your lungs? That's what I want to know. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. the entire. I was screaming and hollering all the walk back till I got down to my car. <laughs> you know, I came up. You come right out of the beginner lift. It actually so when I came out, you know, you come out and you kind of got to ride down and come back up the lift, and I was just. I come down and for some reason they have this super steep hit right there on the beginner run first time doing it. And I like flew off of it, even more adrenaline added. And I come down, I'm like screaming. People are like, what the fuck's going on? You know, <laughs> with the freak going on? I'm just, uh, I was just like in this state where it was kind of, I was blacking in and out, you know, like I honestly had no clue especially at the time, like what was going on. Just the first thing was like, get to my car, get home, you know, check myself out and make sure I'm safe. Cause I know it got real close to me, like, um, real, real close to my neck. It was, it was like just seeing that pounce and how close it came. 
I am very, very lucky. It was, it seriously was like any sort of second late. If I kept my back turned, anything like that, you know, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, but I came down screaming, shouting, heads turning. <laughs> Damn. Well, we're glad yeah. we're glad that you're still here. You know, I've had some close encounters with cougars, generally in like a bar setting. Uh, uh, you know, out in affluent areas potentially, but, uh, never, never in the mountains. You know what I mean? I didn't even, you know, I was somewhat aware that they're out there, but especially how close, you know, cause I was five minutes away from the mountain, five minute walk away from the mountain. So it was just like, I wasn't really expecting much. I wasn't, I would never expect a mountain lion to i'm i'm a pretty big guy too especially in in snowboarding stuff you know i just never really saw myself as like a target for that and i think it was just really desperate because you know i it was especially with gear on boots on and carrying a board in my hand you know i'm six four plus all that stuff adds you know an inch and then looks like some weight on me so it was uh it was unexpected and you know, it was pretty stupid of me to be back there alone. My dad chewed me out for it. You know, that was the one thing he was like, I told you never to snowboard by yourself, especially when you're going in the back country, you know, but well, good, was, uh, good learning lesson. And I think that's good for all our listeners, you know, uh, could have maybe uh, been prevented with friends or with not, or God forbid anything happens. You got friends with you to at least aid yeah, the exactly. situation, but, uh, you lived and you learned and you survived a damn mountain lion attack, Charlie. Holy hell. <laughs> Glad you're still yeah. talking to us. Yeah, it's definitely a story that will, uh, I will be telling my grandkids hopefully someday. Did you grow up riding Mountain Creek in Jersey? Uh, no, so I grew up mainly, I, I'm South Jersey. Um, started out when I was pretty young, kind of quit for a couple years, and then we started making trips to Vermont, and that's where I really fell in love. And honestly, that's that was the driving factor for me to come out here. It's just the mountains are so pretty. So much fun to ride, too. Awesome. Well, love that. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, for chatting with us and taking a few minutes uh, out of your day. And so glad that you're okay. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. What a wild interview with uh, Charlie. At first, I thought it was like kind of funny, but then I realized it was like pretty serious and he's lucky to be alive. So, yeah. Did you uh, ask him, um, because this probably happens on a weekly basis, the cougar attacks in Deer Valley and Park City, but the fact that it happened in Logan Canyon, You're, I yeah. mean, how often does that happen? Yeah, well, what I did is I, I, I actually brought up to him, because you guys didn't hear the interview, I said that um, uh, I've seen it happen at bars before, um, but never in the wild, and it was right over Charlie's head. He uh, he didn't pick up on that one, but... Uh, <laughs> So uh, I think it's a good time for a run through while smelling salt. What do you guys think? I would love to hit one. You got one over there, buddy? Yeah, I got one teed up. Here, here, boys. Fire it up uh, again. Thank you. It's uh, been a while. Jewel, start us off. The influencer light. Look at that influencer light. Things looking good. <laughs> wow. Cody? <laughs> oh, my God. That hit hard. <laughs> good batch. That was good. Oh my god. 
Oh god, wow. Oh my god. Oh god, wow. <gasps> I gotta get the other nostril. Ow. <coughs> Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. We're ready for another six hours of podcast. Yeah, kids, uh, don't don't fall for peer pressure. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that is a good batch. That That's a good batch. batch. That's a great batch. I just, I just burned a third hole in my nose. <laughs> that was the worst one I've done. Me too. By worst, you mean best. Yeah. So uh, let's get into a Patreon question. Shout out to our Patreon members. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do this without you. And this one's from Austin. Vertigo. Verdugo. Vertigo is a sweet last name. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. If it's Vertigo. Not sure how it's pronounced. Uh, Not not always fun when you have Vertigo. Shane and Bodie seem to be a clip machine combo. How important is the rider-filmer relationship to having A-grade footy? Um, it's, It's... I wouldn't say it's the most important, but it's damn close. Um, to be able to trust and, you know, vibe with whoever you're snowboarding with, be it a filmer or a riding partner or whatever, if you don't have good vibes, I mean, you're not going to have a good time or get good clips. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's all about desired outcome combined with having a great time. So once you balance that, I think that's where the magic really comes from. I mean, you could hire the, you know, the biggest director in Hollywood to come out to do what we're doing. And I think we all know the results, you know, from just a stranger. I've filmed with uh, certain filmers who, uh, you know, always ask like, oh, what are you going to do? And I'm like, explain this. And they're like, oh, where, how do I do that? Or like, or they film it from a completely wrong direction or don't have the same viewpoint. But if I tell, you know, if we're at a spot and I'm like, oh, Shane, I'm going to do this trick on this thing. And he's like, he knows exactly where to go, how to film it. And like knows where I'm coming from, where I'm ending, and everything. So it's like it's seamless. It's also the combination of coming from snowboarding as your route, mm-hmm. because you know, like I always think the lazy man's lazy person's angle is just show up, look at the thing, the Barbie angle. That's the most obvious thing. But if you're a snowboarder, you know, you go up, you you're you're gonna go hit something, and you're hiking up, and it's like, damn, it looks so cool from here. You don't understand that or sync with that unless you're living that, you know? So that that combination just connects, and it's the reason why we all are together because it's like you're rooting each other on. You can seamlessly just function, and that's it. Hey, Shane, where does the term Barbie angle come from? Um, it was from the Barbie movie, 1969, <laughs> and uh, they were filming, I guess, like in Waimea Bay or something, and Ken was on the wave. And they were just posted up right in front of it, and there was a barbecue. Some Hawaiians. That's it. Love that Incredible. take. Yep. Great stuff. Yep. Now, uh, one thing I got to commend you on here, Shane, is I think probably all me, Bodie, and Harrison could relate to this, but like a lot of filmers, when you're going out to film something, and they're lugging a camera out there, and you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna hit this," they're like, "You know, it's not legit enough, or it's not big enough, or you're not doing a hard enough trick." I feel like as riders, like. A lot of filmers have this really high bar, and if you're if you're not like doing something crazy, they're kind of, you're kind of wasting their time, quote unquote, so to speak. But I've been filming with you for the past decade plus, and it doesn't matter if it's a toe side turn, a five foot wind lip. Uh, you know, I could be doing like the soggiest trick of all time, and you are just fucking psyched. And I just gotta say, as a rider, it is like so fun to go out and just be in the mountains with you and your excited energy is is infectious to everybody around and where does that come from 
First of all, thanks, guys. But uh, I think it, once again, comes from writing, you know, and we know like when you go somewhere, I always think about too saying this, like if you haven't skated all winter, you, you show up in the spring, you're on your skateboard. Do you just go for the feature or do you roll around, you know, and it all starts with rolling around. And I just feel like for for me, at least it's always made sense. Everyone, you know, does it their own style. But I feel like the best results come from starting with starting the good time. And all of a sudden, the good time becomes a great time. And you guys all know that. So it mm. just makes sense. I'd say a lot of filmers are great at making big features look small. And Shane's really good at making small features look big. It's a good trait. <laughs> it is. It's a good trait. I, I can think about every clip I've ever filmed with Shane. It's like five after the land, five, four, three, two. Dude, that was <laughs> sick. Like every single one of them, you know? It's fucking awesome. Well, I don't think I'm that Spicoli, but, you know. <laughs> you know, when I first moved to California, I did meet the actual Spicoli. We were, I just moved there, and there was a, a sign on, in Malibu, and it just said $10 wetsuits. So I was like, oh, I'll call this guy. We go show up to this giant mansion, and this guy's just like, oh, what's up, man? And I was like, um, we're here for the $10 wetsuits. And he's like, first of all, you want to come in and take some bong hits in this giant mansion? But I always thought that was so cool because as an East Coaster, the fact that Spicoli really exists, that, <laughs> that is the best, best thing ever. Mm. We, got, we got a lot of Spicolis out there, I think, now. <laughs> yeah. Copycats, though. All right, let's take a break and talk about one of my favorite places, Mammoth Mountain. Now, they got over 140 features in their Unbound Terrain Parks. They got some of the best park builders on Earth. They got 10 parks, 100-plus rails, 40-plus jumps at any time, and a mini pipe, a mega pipe, which is 22 feet, and countless transition features. Now, let's talk Main Park. Now, that's where I love to ride. I was just there earlier this winter. The jumps are incredible. You're talking good takeoffs, good landings. It makes you feel like you're a better snowboarder than you are. Some of the best snowboarders in the world have really sharpened their teeth there, like Dusty Hendrickson, Judd Henkes. A lot of the best half-pipe riders train there in the world to ride their super pipe. They got South Park, which is really fun and flowy. You got Forest Trail. That's a good warm-up. Some smaller features. You might catch some old heads in there. You might catch Todd Richards banging him over the head with a cab five. You never know. And then the mountain itself is incredible. If you get you catch it on a powder day and you know where to go, you can get rowdy. And then if you just want to rip groomers, you got yourself a nice directional board and you want to lay down some carves. It's a great place. They got beginner parks. They got intermediate parks. Mammoth Mountain has a ton of terrain for any ability level. Great place to go if you want to have a vacation and get into some snowboarding. So highly recommend Mammoth Mountain. If you're looking for a vacation, check it out. Okay, we got another Instagram question from uh, Carly, Carbomb. Shout out to Carbomb. Let's give her an air horn. Um, she wants to know, can Shane uh, explain his sunscreen game, please? I'll put a couple of <laughs> pictures on the, on the screen for everybody, too. Um, yeah, you know, I always think that if sunscreen doesn't stay on your face till the end of the day, it doesn't work. So um, something that... I just started doing when I was younger, when you're in Hawaii or something, everyone's so serious surfing, I would just put sunscreen on in the most ridiculous way ever. And then when you paddle out, it would just break the ice and people would just be like, bro, what's wrong with you? Like, you're freaking ridiculous. 
And so it just kind of grew on me. And then nowadays, it just it's all about function because we're in the sun so much. It's ridiculous. Do you go zinc? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. The, I think Vertra. I don't know if you guys are Vertra. But um, that stuff lasts, stays on. Harry uses Vertra. I do, yeah. yeah. I think it's best, uh, they say, you know, what is it? The stuff that's actually the barrier is the stuff that's best for you. Like zinc. Zinc. Yeah, yeah. zinc for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, just to kind of echo what you said. So put your sunscreen on, on a in a ridiculous fashion so people can't get mad at you because you look like a lunatic. Is Just <laughs> to kind of sum it up, is that what I heard? And and function, yeah. But <laughs> it's always Secondary. it's always fun to make everyone laugh, yeah. you know? <laughs> Everyone's got the serious world covered. All right, let's look, rip through some of your guys' Instagram questions. This one's from Kill Wallens. Big Bodie board size. Can you elaborate on board size, Bodie? Um yeah. I mean, people are always asking what size board I ride, and then they're shocked when I when they find out I ride a giant board. Um, but it's all relative. I'm a giant human being, so I need a giant board. Like, um, I'm six, three, I ride a one sixty five or up to one seventy three. I used to ride. Um, but it, you know, a one seventy goes up to, you know, my mouth or my nose, just like a normal snowboard. So it's really not that big on me. You see the big guys like Mikel or Sebe de Buck, they're all riding one seventies. I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, but I've actually dropped it a little bit. I'm at a 165 wide now for backcountry because um, I'm doing trying to do more creative, smaller stuff these days. Not you know 100 foot jumps and stuff. But sometimes I miss riding a 173. Feels good under the feet. Yeah, can you tell the story about when I accidentally borrowed your 173? <laughs> uh, yeah, you were doing a uh, a roof drop to a double slide or something, and um, you were like, "Yeah, do you have a big board I could?" Uh, borrow i think you wanted like a 162 or something i was like yeah go in my garage grab one and uh you grab the wrong one and i only get like one or two specific 173s specially made for me like a year and uh you grab the, the 173 and you brought it back just destroyed <laughs> like edges were broken it was all busted up like unrideable and i was like um hopefully you got the clip because <laughs> You kind of yeah. ruined my board. But I remember you're like, you took good. my Alaska board. <laughs> and I remember being strapped in on this roof on this 173 being like, this thing is huge. Holy mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. Another question for you, Bodie. This is from Tanuki himself. For Bodie, are you riding a stock high path? Seems a, quite a bit softer than your old pro model. Um, is, uh, is his last name himself? Tanuki himself. That's a great name. Yeah, last name himself. Um, I am sorry to say that I am not riding a stock high path. Uh, they get extra stiff for me, um, or they make them extra stiff for me. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the ones on the shelf, they're a little softer than the ones I'm riding. Way to provide truthful information to the mm -hmm. consumer. That's awesome. Yep. Okay. This is from Nathan 802. True or false for an ATV talent outweighs what shape you use camber flat flat camber, rocker, et cetera. So he's basically saying, is it true or false that talent outweighs your snowboard? Yeah. True. For yeah. sure. Of course it is. Of course it does. It's not the board. It's the rider. Yeah, it's the pilot. Mm -hmm. The board helps, for sure. I believe they say a poor craftsman blames his tools. Okay, this is, a, this is an interesting one. Uh, might be a bit, this is from Jazzfoot. 
if it's jazz foot I'm thinking of, he's a ripping snowboarder. Uh, maybe out of bounds, but I'm genuinely curious about performance enhancing drugs. Now, I talk about that a lot on the show. Uh, steroids, what would steroids do in snowboarding? Now, I don't know a lot about steroids, but I do know when I got injured, uh, some moto friends of mine are like, if you want to heal fast, take HGH. And I was like, great. Where am I going to find HGH? I don't know. Weightlifting guys like this is ridiculous. Well, I happened to go to Mexico and I was just at a pharmacy and there was just over the counter HGH. So I naturally smuggled some back across the border and I took some while healing from a broken collarbone and it helped me heal faster. Uh, I don't recommend it. I don't know what the deals, I don't know what the side effects are for, but that's my experience using HGH, uh, which is actually really funny too, just to say HGH in general, uh, as snowboarders, it's like, is that a type of steroid? I think so. Human, yeah. Human growth hormone. Yes. Yeah. Mm, powder substance. Nope. You inject it in your body. Really? With yeah. With a needle. <gasps> I have some friends who do HGH, yeah. Yeah. Major. So pretty funny, though. I just think, I guess, snowboarders doing it. I just did it to recover from an injury. Um, but uh, Have you heard about the um, they're trying to start that new Olympics with the enhanced? I mean, I've said it for years. Every time they would kick people out of the real Olympics, it'd be cool if they just had a, a category for the ones who won that were enhanced, and then the natural ones won a gold as well. Because I, it'd be interesting, like you said, all those performance-enhancing things, do, would they really improve your performance in snowboarding? You know. Yeah, very debatable topic. I've heard of people uh, taking some Adderall before they snowboarded mm. um, as potentially a performance-enhancing thing. I don't know if it worked. I mean, I think I they think probably work. <laughs> think they were probably jittery or whatever. But I don't know if they snowboarded better. I do know one person though who did a triple flip uh, after after taking it and landed it. So okay, there's that. This as is well. good intel. Well, I mean, now. there are some awesome legends from Canada, unnamed right now, that film parts, uh, you know, with Scooby Snacks. And I mean, yeah, I don't know if yeah, I guess Scooby mushrooms are cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have yeah. to, you know, it's like the Dave Chappelle thing. You got to first determine like what is enhancing because they say smoking weed will ruin your life, but if you win the Olympics, it enhanced it. <laughs> so I feel like you got to. <laughs> a good point. You, you really need to identify. Is it enhancing or ruining your life? What is, what's going on? Well, it's like as uh, Daniel Tosh said, we as viewers deserve the greatest athlete science can create. True. You know, makes a better show. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine the enhanced sports. I mean, it would be so awesome if, I mean, not for the people, because it's like, oh, my God, he ripped his arm out of his shoulder. Yeah. But for us, it'd be like, wow, mm-hmm. that was incredible. So ultimately pro performance enhancing Yeah, and too. again, there is like a billionaire is investing in the like per, like steroid games, basically. Yeah. And yeah. so that's ha- it's actually happening. Well, imagine um, football like throwing Hail Marys from end zone to end zone. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it'd be insane. People yeah. would be entertained, for sure. Um, we're joking, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go on the record and say I'm, I'm against it. <laughs> I don't want to take steroids myself. I wouldn't, but. Oh, yeah. Not well, steroids. Yeah. I'll take whatever you, whatever comes my way, whatever it helps. I can barely grab these days, so if, maybe you, know, you should go to yoga. No steroids. <laughs> right. uh, yoga is not going to help me. Steroids will. Okay. Well, see, you're getting older like me, and I always think crab grab or someone should make the the little like things you put on your board that you can grab that are four inches closer to your hand. <laughs> yeah. Because the older you get, the farther away the board is. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great idea. Extender. That's you know? a really good just idea. A I like that. I made a graphic the other day when I was in my notebook sketching and I did the crab grab logo and I just made it say can't grab in the same font. <laughs> and that's kind of 
I'm on. I'm behind that. Yeah, should send that over to Preston. I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah, we got to do a campaign, like like exactly like Shane said. Now the next question is from Zach Zakowski, Zakowski. However you say this on Instagram, biggest bail of each of your careers, Jules. You can include yourself in this one as well. Is it the collarbone? Mm, maybe the collarbone. <laughs> yeah, but like anytime I try to drop any cliff, really. Oh yeah, bombhole employee. Uh, Tomahawk. Yeah, yeah Tomahawk day. That was good. Sure. Yeah. Have you done a backflip, Jules? Yeah, I've actually done many. That's L- awesome. Low key, done a lot of backflips. That's incredible. As long as you got the backflip, you're doing all right. Yeah, that's how I felt. I like validated me, <laughs> and I needed that. Hell yeah. Bodie, you got a most memorable bill? <sighs> yeah, um, it was at the Gallivan Center in downtown Salt Lake City in August, a rail jam where they were feeding ice cubes through a wood chipper to make snow. <laughs> the wood chipper broke uh, halfway through trying to do the landing, so then they just spread out ice cubes across the landing. Um <laughs> And I was 19 or 20 trying to win, you know, $500 for first place. So I tried to throw up a switchback 270, <laughs> went over the rail, landed on the stairs and dove down like eight stairs to my head on dry cement, broke my neck and uh, been dealing with neck pain for the last 16 years because of it. <laughs> Started out pretty funny. Wow. Yeah, no, it yeah. ended tragically. <laughs> I've, I've, I've witnessed a couple of instances of uh, recurring neck pain. Alaska was one of those um, on the roof, uh, shoveling oh incident. God. One of my favorite bales of yours. That was the, maybe my funniest bale, yeah. 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 We have already covered that. Yeah, but not we? everybody's listening to that, so let's just, just run through it again real quick. All right, so it was like a popover rail to a, uh, a metal roof, and the roof was covered in snow. I was trying to get the roof off so I could hit the rail and then slide the roof. And um, the roof wasn't that steep, so we were trying to shovel off the roof, and I had the genius idea to grab a uh, push shovel and then start on the top and push down and slide down the roof and, uh, and jump off. Um, but I didn't know at the end of the roof there was a gutter. So I slid to the end of the roof, and I was just going to jump off. It was like 10 feet to a big pile of snow, totally safe. But when I got to the edge, my toe caught on the gutter, and I basically dove off the roof head first, scorpioned in the landing from 10 feet up high, and uh, <laughs> almost broke my back. <laughs> um, but yeah, wow. my neck was fucked up from it was that for a while. It was an insane scorpion, by the <laughs> way. Like 10 foot, heels over, you know, your heels kick around the other side of your head. Uh, and this is a guy who had just like been, he got the cover shot at, of Snowboarder and all these crazy photos and all this stuff and then falls shoveling. Yep. So I thought that was good. Uh, Harrison, what do you got? Um, you know... I think the worst slam of my career might have been this summer um, into the pool. Oh, uh, wow. Yes. Ika was filming me at my friend Elliot's uh, parents' house and uh, had a terrible water slide accident, which that was probably my worst bail, actually. Like you were going down the water slide? I went down the water slide and then like... like, your body? Yeah, yeah, like everything was fine. It was a shallow pool. Okay. Yeah, so I just... I. Tried to do a trick in the wrong setting. The wrong Your wife pool. wasn't happy, right? No, nobody was happy. I <laughs> had a giant uh, wound on my forehead and, yeah, I've narrowly escaped a serious injury. But I was just, just messing around, completely sober. Isn't it, like, always the dumb things that get you? 
absolutely the, the little dumb yeah things. clearly the shoveling and mm-hmm. the switchback 270 were dumb yeah that was dumb uh, well and in, mine in is same for regards, absolutely stupid yeah. i think the dumbest and one of the sketchiest bales myself was um doing a pow turn early season um maybe end of the 90s just went up to the gulch went up to do those little runs did a toe side turn and hit a rock on my kneecap and it cracked the kneecap in half. Oh, and I just always remember that feeling. Cause you know, a dumb to, that's why this, you know, as I get older, it takes many months until the winter is full on until it's like toe side season. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I just refer to it as toe side season. Cause after that, that moment when you're just like, Oh, this is so cool. Boom. Hit a rock, break your kneecap. And I just remember that feeling of, okay, I'm going to sit up here. What's going to happen? You know? And, um, but that's the dumbest shit. So I it's mean. basically heel size season till March. <laughs> yeah, it's heel size <laughs> season until the end of the season. No, actually, it just turned into toe side season. So we're doing good. I love that. All right, we're going to get into a quick interview we did with uh, Sage Kotzenberg. It was hilarious. And uh, we talked about the cliff bar that he had uh, Big Mountain Jeremy Jones signed for us here at the bomb hole. So we'll, uh, let's get into this interview with Sage. Here we go. All right, we got Sage Kotzeberg on the line, brought to you by GoPro. Uh, We're going to talk about this contest they're doing, and then we're going to get into a gift that I received from you and Nils, the Cliff Bar debacle, (laughs) which will be really fun. But what's happening, Sage? Where are you right now? How we doing, Chris? Um, I'm up in Nelson, British Columbia, about to try to score some some pow up here, and uh, yeah, just living the dream. Bald face? Uh, not quite. We're, uh, we're, we're at the base of bald face. We're, we're trying to call Jeff to see if we can get up there. Mm, classic scenario. <laughs> we need the gates to open up. Absolutely. So what's going on with this GoPro contest? Yeah. Okay. So, so GoPro has an awards program for people that, uh, that share photos and videos and they're, they're always doing like giveaways and, and they're giving away cash all the time. Right now they're doing a challenge and it's called, uh, line of the winter and it's for pov footage only it's a single clip um it's ski and snowboard and they have to be the clips need to be filmed this winter and they can be shot on any gopro um normally gopro awards are selected uh by gopro staff but you got a couple cool ju- judges on the other hand we got tom wallace we've got me we've got jamie anderson kai jones and Hedvig Wessel to judge. Um, we we just got done with January, and we saw some crazy clips. Honestly, the ski side was kind of hammering, so we got to put a we got to get some snowboarders in on this. Um, the snowboarder winner was Shay Contreras from uh, he was from up in Baker, and then Adria Milan, I believe she was from Spain. Um, yeah, you can basically just send your clips in to the GoPro Awards. Um, and post it on your social channels. Use hashtag GoPro line of the winter. Um, I don't know when this is coming out. February awards will be announced at the beginning of March. So if this airs right before that, then um, you probably have some time to send in some Feb clips. And um, yeah, they're giving away $10,000 to each skier and snowboarder through April. And then 20 G's backpack uh each to a skier and snowboarder with the best line of the entire season. So you could walk away with 30 G's. 
Technically speaking. Wow. Now, now, Colonel Kotz, uh, being a judge, you know, putting myself in your shoes, if I was going to go out and film something, what are we looking for? Are we looking for violent tomahawks, high speed? Are we looking for natural <laughs> terrain? Are we, are we looking for park kickers? Are we looking for GoPro down a handrail? What's really, what's really getting you going these days? Honestly, man, like, if it's beautiful backcountry, that's cool. If it's a crazy, you know, if it's a crazy line at a resort or in some trees, if it's some, you know, maybe a city gets a dumping and you ride down Boston with a GoPro on your head, then dude, all those, all those could be winners. Uh, just kind of looking for, for people to be mashing and bashing. Love that. That's beautiful. All right. So be sure to upload and hashtag GoPro line of the winner upload on Instagram, right? Is that where you guys are picking? Yep. You can, you can upload on there and, um, yeah, use that. Make sure you use the hashtag and everything correctly and spell it right or else. Yeah, there'll be a, there will be a debacle. So one thing I've noticed too, is when you're like, we built that jump last year, you had a GoPro and you did a back 12 and you just upload your entire like GoPro session. And it, they're actually, you know, surprisingly, you wouldn't, think that they're they'd be that great to watch but it's amazing watching the battles and like the point of view stuff yeah yeah something like we've been we've been definitely vibing on is like some some simple stuff that a lot of people don't really get to see and uh you always just see the buttery clips in a part and you don't really see like the session we had a sick session on that jump that you're talking about so uh people seem hyped on them i mean we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing them we like we like doing it so Money. Well, let's get into a hard-hitting topic here. Uh, I received a gift from you and Nils, and to kind of uh, explain it to people that are listening, it is a cliff Bar that is out of the wrapper, and it's in a plastic trophy case, and it's signed by Big Mountain Jeremy Jones. Uh, first of all, I just want to say... I'm honored to have this at the bombhole office because quite frankly, I think this thing belongs in the Louvre or a museum. Uh, so this is a true honor. Could you walk us through the thought process on this prestigious gift that you've given the bombhole? Yeah. yeah, that thing is insane. So we were with Big Mountain Jeremy Jones up at Bald Face in December. And, and we're kicking it with him for, for a couple of days. We're doing this like avalanche risk maturity class. He was, he was sharing all of his experiences from the mountains and which was insane. And the whole time we're like, dude, we got to get him to sign a cliff bar, man. Like me and Nils, we're just like, dude, we got to get him to sign a cliff bar. And the story behind that is like in that's it. That's all. Uh, which we were just, you know, young, young kids when that movie came out. And we watched that movie like a billion times. He's, he says that he, when he went up to Alaska for the first time, it was just like him, his like sleeping bag and a hundred cliff bars. And the, the way he says it, we always just laugh like, dude, you got a hundred cliff bars on the trip. Like we're all good. And uh, so the last day me and Nils, we got a cliff bar and we undid the wrapper and we walked right up to Jeremy Jones. Like, Hey, dude, we, uh, we've had a sick week, dude. Like, love hanging with you. We have one ask, though, and we would really appreciate if you did this. And he was like, whoa, like, what are you guys going to hit me with? And we just take out this, like, biscuit, dude. <laughs> Can you sign this cliff bar? And he was just 
he was hyped. He was like, dude, this is a first. Like, I've never signed an actual cliff bar. So that's a one of one. It should be in the Louvre. It should be in the, you know, Natural History Museum, possibly. Um, you got the one of one. That was it was for Christmas. We kind of dropped the ball and dropped it off a little later, but it was a little bomb hole Christmas present. Well, I can't say uh, how much we appreciate it over here. It's truly a great gift. I'm very curious to see how this thing's going to look in, you know, three, four Whoa. years. You know, <laughs> could be pretty interesting. Um, but oh yeah, that, that, that thing's gonna. We'll see how that thing does. <laughs> Amazing, Sage. Uh, well, also, uh, Natty Select's coming up. How's the kid feeling? Uh, I gotta, I'm got i going to be doing some gambling here. I need to know who to put my money on. Um, where's your headspace? How you feeling? How's the confidence? I'm feeling good, man. I've been, I've been honestly riding a bunch. I haven't been filming too much this season. Um, that's what we're trying to do up here. We've got to get some clips. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling good. I mean, I feel like the, the field's going to be – it's probably going to be like one of the best – fields ever um so yeah super super hyped to do it i'd be looking out for uh i mean i know nils minnick did a duel but he goes through i'd be i'd keep my eyes on nils minnick if he gets through wow you think he could be a threat i think he could be a major threat would you say he's your dark horse he would be yeah if i was a if i was a betting man i'd go i'd put him on the i'd put him out there wow i love that Okay, well, thanks for taking the time to catch up with us, Sage. Uh, have fun up in Canada, and uh, Godspeed in the Natty Select, and thanks for calling in. Thank you, Chris. Big love. Okay, talk to you soon. Later. Peace. All right, we just had a great interview with Sage. Always good catching up with him. Uh, while we were on break, uh, we have a pleasant surprise. Uh, we have Nils Mendich and also Victor Daviet are in town, and they stopped by the studio. What's happening, boys? How we doing? All good, amigos. Stoked to be here. We just arrived uh, Brighton today. We went for the fresh pal, so we're stoked. Yeah, what up? They got they forecasted for three inches, and we showed up, and it was about a foot, and probably snowed six more inches while we were there. So great wow, first day for writing. Victor. He was he was two thumbs up. Yeah. How's your American vacation going, Victor? Man, uh, all good. What you uh, been doing? So we just got back from Colorado, Rado, uh, Purgatory, and where we had our duel with Niels. Uh, we had a lot of fun for natural selection for those who are unfamiliar. Exactly, natural selection duel. And uh, yeah, uh, we met a wonderful community there. Snowboard community is strong. So we had a lot of fun with all the locals there. They have been helping us to shape crazy jumps with like 15 locals. It was pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of snow so and it keeps coming. So we'll stay here forever, guys. You guys went to Moab too? Exactly. With my guide, Niels. Uh, he brought me on a little tourist detour. Yeah, we had a little vacation today together. It was cute. We went we went full tourist mode. I just pulled the trigger and popped into uh, Arches National Park, tied up our hiking boots. Uh, we used some Baumholz Signature Granola to keep us fueled mm, for the day. Love that. It can't go wrong. And uh, we did a loop through the lovely Devil's Kitchen where there was like eight different arches, just snowed, so the dirt was awesome to walk on, and there was no one out there. It was cool. I was blown away. Yeah, would recommend. It was the, one of the most beautiful, beautiful hike we've done. Chris, I think you might hate it, though, because the riding would probably be too technical for you on a dirt bike. Um, 
also it's a national park, so they might not let you in at that point. Mm, good to know. Good to know. So after Nils has been talking, if anybody's still listening, um, thank you, first of all. Um, now, how did, let's talk about this natural selection duel. I want to know what's going on. Are we allowed to talk about it? Did you guys have to sign an NDA? Did you guys both ride well? Is it too soon? Are you guys still friends? Fill us in. Victor, take us away. Ooh, are we still friends? Uh, yeah, I guess yes. I'm staying at his place this week, so I hope we're friends. Um, we're, I guess we're not allowed to really say what happened, but uh, we can tell you more. Um, yeah, about yeah, pretty much like um, none of us had been to Durango before, so there was um, a couple like different venues we checked out the first few days, and luckily we got a bunch of snow. And we're able to build a course on the resort itself. Think of something like Millie, a pretty rolly train. And what was the most amazing thing is probably 15 to 20 locals just dropped what they were doing over the course of a few days during the middle of the week to come help us build. All smiles, no complaining. They were eating like cold pizza at the end of the day and were putting in full shifts to help build numerous wedges and help had out jumps and everyone was just so excited and, and like all hands on deck. So it was a pretty wild week and we ended up dueling out later in the week and then stuck around for a couple extra days to ride some pow. What resort was it? Purgatory. Okay. Have you heard about this one? No, I don't know. The cat op? There is a cat op there adjacent to the ski resort Purgatory. It's Purgatory Snowcat Adventures, Purgatory Adventures. So it's cool. There's a bunch of stuff back there. I was pleasantly surprised. I think Victor and I both kind of were flying in blind. We didn't know what we'd get. Did you get to cool. pick the location or did the natural selection tour pick it for you? That was a that was a back end NST okay. NST call. And just to rewind it a little bit for the listeners that are lost, basically how it works for natural selection is that before Revelstoke, there's a series of duels at different locations around the world where riders like you guys competing against each other go down and is it what is it, film three runs? Um Explain the concept for it. It was four runs minimum, and we had five. Okay. And, um, yeah, rock, paper, scissor. It's like a session. Uh, I took it like a friendly session with Nils, where we had to push ourselves uh, at the best level. And, uh, yeah, um, rock, paper, scissor to know who would start, like every backcountry session. I had to start. Uh, snow was deep, really deep. And, yeah, the session kept going on, and uh, we had a lot of fun. We were supposed to do four runs. We had five runs. And, uh, yeah, it was a great day. It's pretty rad. And then afterwards, a bunch of the locals just started poaching the course, and they were calling it the uh, local selection or something yeah. like that. They were all hyped. Some skier did, like, a double backflip on the last jump. Like, it, was, it was cool. There was a big community hype. Yeah, we need to introduce you Mark. Mark is the hot local there. He has been riding for 30 years that resort. And once he broke up with uh, one of his ex-girlfriend, and anyway... He was kind of like depressed and started to build wooden rails through the forest inside that resort. And now there's 150 wooden rails in the resort, which is wow. insane. That's um, so cool. Imagine a like 1950s horse race uh, announcer or someone with that kind of like old era radio charisma reincarnated as this guy, Mark, who <laughs> built 130, <laughs> who's built 132 log features on the resort and what's sick about purgatories instead of tearing them down like maybe a big stream resort would do they put a sign up 
and like dedicated a whole section of the resort to him. And it's this like awesome part for the, for the resort and the community. So Legendary. if you're in Rado, you should check that out. Well, what, what else has been happening in the world of Victor Davia? What's, what's going on? Fill us in. Fill us in. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's, it has been full on. Honestly, uh, now I organize some avalanche safety events at uh, every beginning of the season. So we, we've been training like quite many, many people around along the years. And this year we trained 650 riders. So it's some big gathering at the beginning of the season, some like Patmore is doing, but um, at a bigger scale, I would say, for every kind of riders, either if you're a beginner or either if you're a pro. So we all train at the beginning of the season. We never talked about that, but it's since uh, your avalanche in uh, 2016, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's crazy that it's happening here. You were there in Alaska when Bodhi got buried? Yeah, and following that, I realized that, um, yeah, we we're in the best condition to to help someone, someone out. And uh, that was really tight. And I was like, oh, if the same avalanche happened in my home resort, for sure we're going to lose some friends in our community. So that's how it started. So that's a pretty big part of my season at the beginning of the of the year. And uh, riding full on, also had a pretty crazy story recently with the Afghanistan snowboard team. Maybe we'll talk about that later, but I've been helping out those kids, 15 kids, to leave their country. And now six of them live in Nancy, where I live, and they're part of our community, and they're kind of like my kids. So I've been from zero to seven kids from a day to another, which is pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, life I've been really full on. Amazing. And you live in Annecy? Where Solomon's located, right? Solomon headquarters. Exactly. Levanti, we have like a, a really cool community there with uh, Perali, uh, Jean Tano, and all those guys. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a cool town you, you guys should visit. And we have all the resorts around, so it's the spot. Amazing. And then aside from natural selection this year, are you filming uh, any video parts? What's your game plan? So, yeah, in the past years, I've been uh, shooting some different, like, action shots and stuff. I haven't really focusing on video parts. I've been more focusing on, on my video project, like uh, the web series Tripolet, where it's some fun, crazy adventure. Once we've been to Greece riding horses with Niels. It was an epic trip. And my other series, DVD videos, were some, like, short action or artistic clips. So I've been focusing on that, plus riding as much power as possible. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. Love the DVD logo. The hat's looking fresh. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Sick. And Nils, uh, how's your winter been so far? It has been pretty good. Um, I've had a fairly chill year. Uh, the last, I would say, six years or so were sort of nonstop, same deal. Um, and then going into this year, I knew I'd had natural selection on the radar, and there's a few other events and a couple other shoots. So I just kind of decided not to commit to a big film project. Um, and it's been really cool. I've just had a bunch of free riding days. I did a, a really fun 10 day trip to Japan with germ and Zach, where we just scored pal for every, every day we were there. I think it was my fifth time to Japan. And the first time I had scored pal, most of that was because of it was bad timing all the other trips. So that was, that was a really awesome way to spend some days in January. Um, I've actually been trying to lean into splitboarding, which I, I feel like is doesn't doesn't really happen most years. Every year I've been like snowmobiling a lot, and I'm not saying it's necessarily like a goal to not snowmobile this year. But if my snowmobile doesn't make it out of the garage, I'm cool with that. So 
just trying to snowboard a bunch. Um, unfortunately, I was going to go to the Baker Bank Slalom. We both were this past weekend, but it got postponed to next year. We did duels, and then um, I have... I have oh I have a an Alaska trip, which I'm really excited about. Every trip I've done up there has been a strike mission. So having like a planned out, still short seven day trip up there in March um, will be really fun. And then kind of just cruising, sort of flying by the seat of my pants. Amazing. And then uh, do you guys have plans for the rest of your Utah vacation, Victor? Ooh, first of all, we've been to a basketball game last night. Lakers against the Jazz. Question: Have you ever seen Nils shoot a basketball before? <laughs> Apparently, he's terrible. Yeah. He, he don't know anything yeah. about basketball. Oh, he couldn't explain or, the rules to you? Or football. You know, <laughs> I've, I've, just, I've, I've just watched my first uh, Super Bowl game uh, last Sunday. It was really cool. Sorry for you, buddy. I don't want to talk about it. I know, I know. Nothing and more I'm, American than that. And you know, I was like, so, Niels, it's my first uh, football game. Like, can you explain me a little bit the rules? No. <laughs> I can't. Sorry. I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. Like my bad. I know when like the guys get the ball to the other end of the field, we like that if it's the right team. <laughs> That's as far as my knowledge of honestly both sports go. That pretty much sums it up. Here you go from one side of the field to the other. Yeah. Yep. Simple game. So basketball game, Super Bowl. Moab. Moab. Moab yeah. Brighton Pow Day. Brighton Pow Day. Split boarding. Well, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, you know, that's... Around Chad's Gap, you know. Oh, yeah, Chad's Gap. Uh, did, you, did you guys hit <laughs> a Natty? Yeah, we were going to hit a Natty, but Victor was... Uh, natty skiing off. on splitboard. That was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Bomb hole, coming on in the bomb hole. That's a big check. Yeah, man. I'm, I've been listening so much to the bomb hole in the past years. It's insane. You know, working on construction or driving. And, uh, yeah, it's super cool to see the spot. Yeah. Thanks for coming by. It was a pleasure to chat with you. I remember our last trip was we went to China like three years ago or four years ago or whatever. It was wild, yeah. right before COVID. Yeah, and he was, uh, we were sitting in a hot tub and he, Chris told me, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I was like, oh, cool, man. A few months later, boom, the bomb exploded. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> and the bomb hole still explodes every time I go for cheese wedge, as uh, you guys, Bodie might notice. We've, we've hit one this year. So, uh, yeah, love that. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for coming for a quick chat. This has been awesome. Um, our uh, lunch just showed up, so we're going to take a quick break and eat some lunch. And- okay, let's talk CB Days. Now, CB Days is a wellness company crafting recovery products for athletes made with CBD a compound from the hemp plant known for reducing inflammation. It was founded by snowboarders DCP and Frank Bourgeois in March of 2020. They developed a unique anti-inflammatory tropical called the OG Muscle Gel. This unique blend of 24 essential oils is designed to be fast absorbed by the skin and deliver the relief from CBD within minutes. This gel has built a reputation for speeding up your recovery time, The best feedback comes from post-surgery trauma, ligaments, muscular inflammation, and arthritis. Now, CBD's products are endorsed and used daily by many legends and upcoming riders, like Kurt Wastel, Bjorn Linus, Pat Fava, Ryan Paul, and many more, and even myself, too. I love it. Their mission is to help the snowboard community getting after it by offering 100% natural and effective recovery solutions. You can find CB Days at your local shops, such as Wave Rave, Dark Side, 
underground snowboards, Snowshed New York, and other premium retailers who care about your health. If you have lingering injuries right now and love to try CB Day's product, you can hop on cbdays.com and score a 30% discount by using code BOMBHOLE30 and start addressing your pain right now. Just head on over to cbdays.com and enter promo code BOMBHOLE30 to put your hands on the famous OG muscle gel, tinctures, and other awesome CBD recovery products. All right, we got uh, T-Bird from the Natural Selection here to talk to us about all things Natural Selection to fill us in what's going on with the Natural Selection. Birdman, what's happened with NST? Give us the rundown. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Stoked to be on the show. Um, yeah, Natural Selection duels are, I mean, technically, officially, they're, they're done. They're in the can. They're wrapped. I'm up in Red Mountain, British Columbia right now. And we just filmed uh, Mary Rand and Spencer O'Brien's duel yesterday. And that is the final duel that we had to film. And now it's up to the judges. Amazing. Who who we got judging for this thing? Uh, so judging this, we got uh, Brian Fox, Guillaume Morissette, Connor Manning, Chad Otterstrom, and Jody Washniak. So <clears throat> it's, a, it's a pretty good mix of... You know, your former pro snowboarders mixed in with uh, some, you know, professionally trained uh, competitive judges in the slope style and half pipe world in the last decade or so. So, yeah, we got a pretty good judging panel. But, I mean, I, I hate to say the old cliche, I'd hate to be a judge, but I would not stoke to be a judge in this situation. There were some pretty heavy duels, uh, you know, like blow for blow type runs. Um, and yeah, I, I, there's a couple where I just straight up couldn't even make a call or a guess of who won from what I've seen. Amazing. We're excited to check it out. Could you give us a rundown for what's happening here for the Revelstoke event? Fill us in. Yeah. So the Revelstoke event is going to be March 10th through 17th on Red Bull TV. Um, it's going to be a two day event. We're going to go live, and it's going to be pretty epic. So basically, everybody who wins a duel gets an automatic invite to meet our returning riders in Revelstoke. We have 18 riders who are pre-qualified and are going to Revelstoke. We have six duelers that are coming out of the six duels themselves that will be going on to meet those returning riders for the two-day event in Revelstoke from March 10th to the 17th. Now, what kind of terrain are we talking? I heard it's a pretty pretty good feature, like a lot of featured runs, right? Trickable. Yeah, 100%. Um, we got a course that has uh, been built up, on Mont- up in this zone called Montana Bowl at Revelstoke. And though I've never seen it in person, I've seen photos, and it's similar to the Jackson uh, course in a way. I think it's a little bit gnarlier than the Jackson course. I think it's going to allow for um, a little bit more freestyle type runs to go down. And it's, uh, it's certainly a bit steeper. That's, that's what I know. It's a, it's a nice blend of kind of Jackson and scary cherry mixed together. And I think that the crowd is going to be pretty stoked to see what goes down there. It's going to be awesome. And that will be also head-to-head once we know who the duelers are. Um, we're going to run the randomizer and come up with those head-to-head matchups to see who's going against who in Revy. Wow, that's exciting. should be electric. Uh, we're actually going to do 
a mocked draft here, T-Bird. We're going to do a snake draft. Uh, and uh, me, Bodie, Shane, Jules, and Harrison, we got the rider list in front of us, and we're going to we're gonna do our uh, Natty Select picks right now. I know that it could be faulty because we don't even have the final rider list for Revy, but we're going to do it anyway because we love drafts and we like sports. So. Run through who who's in the booth right now. Run through it again. We got Bodie Merrill. What uh, up, Birdman? We got Jules. We got Harrison Gordon. And we got Shane Charlebois. Well, first of all, I want to hear some duels, predictions, and picks. Because I got the inside info, and unfortunately, I can't give it to you. But I want to hear who people have in these duels. Well, first things first, we just had Nils and Victor stop by the studio and they couldn't tell us what happened. Um, but I do know that I ride with Nils regularly and he is an animal. So I'm going to take Nils in that one just based on um, just okay. uh, the, the eye test, as they call it, um, just watching him ride as of late. Um, yeah, run us through a couple of the other duels that have been happening. Yeah, so in Japan, we had uh, Torgir Bergram versus Raibu Katayama. In Andermont, Switzerland, we had Kevin Backstrom versus Sebe DeBuck. Originally, it was Arthur Longo, um, but unfortunately, Arthur sustained a little bit of an injury, nothing serious. He's recovering well, and so we kind of had to scramble to get an alternate in there. Sebe DeBuck was next up on the list, so he stepped in. I actually just watched the rough cut of that episode, and it's pretty epic. Um, and then the two, or sorry, the three that I was at, starting with the first one, at Crested Butte Mountain Resort, we had Jamie Anderson and Emma Crosby, and I cannot wait for people to see that episode. That was one of the best duels I think I've ever seen in real life. And then in Durango, we had, obviously, Nils and Victor. Um, I've heard rumblings. I've seen some footage. They rode, like, waist-deep, like, three feet of snow on their course. It's pretty epic. And then uh, at <clears throat> this place called Eleven Experiences, which is a catboarding lodge based in Crested Butte, um, I got to watch this go down in real life. It was Red Gerard and Austin Sweeten. And I can straight up tell you I have no idea who won that one. That's one where I'm like, I don't even know what the judges are going to do with that one because it was like heavyweight fight, like blow for blow, run for run. It was wild. And then up here in Red Mountain, the final duel, we had Mary Rand versus Spencer O'Brien. That went down yesterday, um, and it was epic. It was all time. Like every single duel, we rode good snow. We found good terrain. All the resort partners and guides and ski patrol that we worked with were just so stoked to have natural selection in the mix. And I think one of the coolest things we did at pretty much every duel, we actually just got done with it today, is we found a way to kind of connect with the local community, riding with snowboard clubs, adaptive programs, um, <clears throat> different groups of people, locals that are part of the area. And we kind of brought them into the NST fold, let them meet the athletes, the crew, and just kind of lapped with them in our down days. Um, and it was just, it was a really awesome experience, like top to bottom. It was incredible. Amazing, Bird. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Um, we're so excited to check it out. Can't wait for Revy. Can't wait to watch the duels come out. And uh, we're going to keep it moving. We're going to jump into our, our snake draft here. So uh, thanks for the, all the beta on this thing. Appreciate yeah. it. 
No worries. And just for the audience, um, you know, I love you all. Y'all are the best. Can't wait to, to see you this winter. But uh, February 27th on Red Bull TV, all the duels are going to drop at the same time. So you can binge them. Appreciate it, Birdman. We'll talk to you soon. Right. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right. There you have it. Some good beta from Birdman right there. All right. We're going to go snake draft. Our first picks overall for the natural selection winners in the overall tour, uh, P1 only, both men and women. We're going to start off with Jules. Jules, bang us over the head with your picks. Who you got? Easy first pick, Emma Crosby. I'm picking Emma because she's hungry. She's kind of slept on, and I just feel like that gives her a lot of tenacity, and she's really good. Also, she's my friend. Mm, little friend bias there. I like little that. Got to support the homies. <laughs> and she's a threat. And she's a threat. Bodie, who we got? Um, I like Emma to win, uh, but I'm going Zoe Sanowski Sadat. Um, she is crushing it in the contest world and in the film world, just top of the top of her game. Uh, she's got ice water veins and she just has that contest met- mentality and she knows how to win. So I think she's going to win. You know, Bodie, I love that pick draft. That was my P1 pick. That was going to be my first pick. I think that's a strong one. Uh, but obviously, since my pick was taken, I'm going to go as my. Pick number two, I'm going to go with Sage Kotzberg. Let me tell you why. We got a slope-style kind of feature course, so to speak, from what I understand. Very similar to Jackson Hole. So we're going to see some poppers. We're going to see some potential cab nines. We're going to see some tricks. It's not like you're riding big spines and stuff. Uh, so for, for Revelstoke, I think Sage is a shoe-in. He knows how to ride big lines. He's consistent. He knows how to compete. So uh, for me, I'm going to go with Sage. I've had success betting on him in the past and uh, going to continue to do that. Harrison, who you got? Yeah, so <clears throat> it's tough to say. I have a friend bias for a lot of these people, but um, I'm going to lean on Blake for my pick this time around. Blake Paul. Yeah, I feel like Blake Paul has um, He's got the total package. He's got the style. He's got the finesse. Um, he knows how to land his run. And, um, yeah, I would love to see him on top. Good pick. Um, and I'm, I'm the same way. I think that Travis, Mark, I mean, Jared, Rasmin, any of these guys on a good day, Ben, Sweeten, they're so insane. But I'm going to pick Mikkel. I think the Viking just is he's a humble crusher. I mean, we spent a winter together, and he fell twice. So there's a huge <laughs> chance. There's a huge chance that he could win this for sure. Great that's take. My pick. Yeah, that's a that's a spicy hot take. I love that one. And now back uh, back to you. We're doing snakecraft right, right back in the hot seat. So on the women's side, you already picked uh, Emma, and you already picked um, Zoe. Zoe. And I think um, the only one that's left that I think there has a good chance of winning this whole thing is Robin. Robin's, uh, she is once again just consistent. She loves the mountains and seems like a perfect venue for. Great choice. Harrison? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to go with Jamie on this one. I feel Jamie like Anderson. Jamie Anderson is, you know, she's a competitive uh, person and she's also got a lot of experience uh, in the backcountry over the years. And I just, I think she's got what it takes. You know, she could put down front seven and. And uh, it, it would all be over, I think. Yeah, she knows how to compete. That's for sure. Uh, for my pick for uh, women's overall, I'm going to go Haley Langland. 
again, uh, she's got that insane front seven, landed on the cover last year. She knows how to ride powder. She knows how to ride contests. Sometimes I think that the the women that, and, and men for that matter, that ride contests are used to the high pressure situations. And like, look at Mark McMorris, you know, not look at Zoe. They're not known for being powder riders. They're known for dominating slope styles. And they show up to these contests and they do great. So my, my pick's going to go uh, Haley Langland um, and uh, Sage. Those are my two. Great picks, Chris. Um, for the men, I'm going to go with Nils Midnick this year. And Woo. I'll tell you why. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. He rarely falls. He's extremely talented uh, trick-wise. Um, he can do lines. He can do big air. He can do anything he wants on a snowboard. And the very first natural selection, um, I was with him, and he got screwed because he was up against Pat Moore. And any other person that he was up against, he would have won. But Pat Moore got the uh, the run of the day, top score, and Nils narrowly you know, got eliminated. And then last year, same thing in the duels. I think he was up against uh, Ben Ferguson and it was the best duels uh, show out of all of them. And it was a toss up. I felt like he could have won it. Ben could have won it. It went Ben's way. So I just feel like he's gotten screwed over two years in a row. And I think this is the year he's going to break through and take it all. Bodie, can I tell you something? That's some great sports analysis right there, and that's what we're looking for, expert analysis right there. That's what we're, we're talking about. As far as expert analysis, Jules, what do we got back there? <laughs> I was going to say, um, so part of me wants to say Big Air because I know that he's feisty and he's one. he might have something to prove because he's one of the younger male competitors. However, Sebe, I feel like, is really chill, and I hung out with him once and he was really nice, and he's got, like, a bigger build. So, I think I'll go Sebe. <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> Sebe to Buck. So, okay, so you're Emma and Sebe. Run us through all the picks now that you got them down. Okay, we've got Jules, Emma and Sebe, Blake and Jamie for Harrison, Mickle and Robin for Shane, Nils and Zoe for Bodie. Oh, Haley and Sage for Chris. These are, this is good picks. Should we put some money on this? Yeah, well, you know... I think so. I think what we should do is actually when it comes to... I'm down to put some money on it, A, allegedly. For We're not yet allegedly. It's Utah. But, right. uh, yeah, well, I think once it gets going, like the Final Four bracket tournament style that we like to do, uh, March Madness style, is, that's when it gets really Are you going to bring that back? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> is there fantasy back. natural selection? Fantasy snowboarding? Yeah. Allegedly, we do, we do 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 that. <laughs> allegedly, uh, we did that once. And <laughs> allegedly, right. it was a big success. Allegedly, it I'll was stop really, asking questions. It was very fun. <laughs> um, and allegedly, we're going to do it again. Because we're not past the statute of limitations, Jules. We can't bring that up. <laughs> you literally brought it up. You brought it up. Bodhi brought, brought it up. Bodhi brought it up. It's my fault. I'll take the fall. All right, while we're talking contests, let's dive right into uh, heavy metal. Uh, Jules and I were there. Uh, first of all, it was absolutely monumental. It was uh, at the Capitol Building in St. Paul. I mean, the crowd was insane. I don't know, 5,000 people or something? I don't know how to... It was like shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't even like, walk through. I had to wave the mic to be able to move because they were like, we're not letting anyone through. Yeah. Like, all the fans were like, we've been here for hours. We're waiting. 
And then we were, I was like, I'm working, and they finally let me through. People were hyped. It was like Woodstock vibes. People were climbing trees to get angles. And <laughs> people were partying, it was people like were, falling off a roof. There was almost. like all kinds of signs. People were holding cardboard signs. One guy said skiing still sucks, like oh, huge yeah. cardboard <laughs> sign and all the... And one thing to think about that's also beautiful about this is we're at a, a state capitol building in St. Paul, and and it's a snowboard-only event. And then you look in, like, snowboarding's not even allowed at, like, Alta and, and Deer Valley and all these places. And so it was kind of like a beautiful paradox in that way of, like, look how far we've come. I've saw, I saw that article on that. I thought that was really cool. And, um, you know, I, I, I made a couple notes. Uh, Todd was hilarious on the mic. Um, you know... I thought the jump session with the winch was gnarly. Like a couple times people got stuck on the winch getting towed in and they had to like throw the heel, like check Irie. up. I read they, they got tangled up in the winch rope and luckily like we're able to throw the brakes on before the jump. It was a lot of people's first winch experience. I was asking people and they were like, yes, yeah, my first one. Pretty crazy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And and then uh, the biggest one, I thought Egan, you know, she just did at the peak of the contest, launched this huge backflip. You could tell she was kind of scared. I saw her putting her head back, practicing the backflip. Like, you know, you could tell it took a bunch for her to, to get to flip over that. It wasn't just chill for her. And she showed up and stomped it, and the crowd went bonkers for that. Um, and then uh, Joey Fava did this backflip. Everybody else is still getting warmed up to in 50-50s. And he just, boom, backlips at second try, which was just insane. Uh, Benny Milam tacoed the rail and popped his elbow out and then popped it back in, which was insane, uh, real time. Warrior. So we have a full recap on our YouTube, if you want to watch it. Uh, Sil- shout out to Silk D. He chopped it up ridiculously fast. So that that was basically done the next day. And I'll run us through uh, our o- overall winners were uh, Egan Wint and Luke Winkleman. They showed up on every single feature, beat it down. And then we had uh, Zone 1 winners were Egan and Austin Viz. And then uh, runners-up were Jalen and Pete Crosdale. Pete did an insane switchback five. And then Zone 2, Veda and Luke Winkleman won. Runners-up were Grace and uh, Benny Milam. And then Zone 3, the winners were Iris Pham and Joey Fava. And the runners-up were Grace and Luke Lund, a.k.a. Goop Surf. So really, really, really great event. And, uh, yeah, check out our recap if you want to watch it. Good things for snowboarding. Jules, you got any uh, any other, other thoughts? you guys have any thoughts on that? I just thought it was really fun. Everyone was so fun to hang out with. In the edit, I also want to make this clear because I know Joe, and I feel like he, people might actually think he was rude in the edit, but it was a bit. And I met my husband. So. Oh, yeah. Jo, uh, J- uh, Jules has a bit of a crush on um, a <laughs> snowboarder. Gonna, you're going to expose Are me? We get, do we want to expose it? Yeah, expose it. It's not that deep. But it did change the course of my life. So um, I'm interested. Freddie Perry, if you're out here <laughs> listening, you have a secret admirer. <laughs> yeah, it's a secret. That's, it makes sense. It's no longer secret. He's a perfect man. Like, He's how great. can you? Yeah. <laughs> His hair, his hair, his hair looks pretty good. I yeah. will say, whatever. He's a beautiful man. He's got a great sense of humor as well. A funny guy with weird tattoos. Like it's just kryptonite. <laughs> Full package. <laughs> this is actually a good subject. Now Ryan underscore nine twenty eight. This is for Jules. What's the best way for someone to shoot their shot? Question mark hashtag asking for a friend. Mm, just be Freddie Perry. is he asking me specifically or asking how to shoot your shot with a girl in general i mean you heard the question i just asked me specifically i i would say don't i'm just i'm just not in that mindset 
what not to do with a girl would be like, don't like weirdly follow her and she doesn't follow you back and you respond to all her stories and like, like send weird fire emojis. And, like that's cre- I just don't like the Instagram like etiquette. I would say do it in person. Set, introduce yourself. Be a normal person. Talk to her. Have some confidence. You know, me, me, just don't. Good advice. Don't do anything. Great advice. Don't approach Jules if you're wondering. <laughs> All right, I like that. All right, we got a great subject here. This is from Big Maddie 2021. Top five gingers of all time. Let's get the conversation going. Who we got? Wow. Uh, I'm just going to start off Harrison Gordon. Boom, he's in there. Wow. I don't think I'd put myself in my own list, but I guess. I'll, I'll put you in there. Thanks, bro. Marsha Hovey, love her. Marsha? Yeah. <laughs> Works over at Trollhagen. Trollhagen, like boss, legend. queen, legend, girly. Um, I was gonna ask how many gingers are there? Well, Danimals. Like who? Like who's on the the top ten list? Sean White. Because with Sean White, we got Harrison Gordon, we got Danimals, Pat Moore, Pat Moore. Oh, wow, yeah, this list is stacked. Uh, uh, ben Billado, he's a Ben Billado, Skrilladu. Um, is Mikey Rents a ginger? He's kind of like borderline. No, he's got red beard, I think. Okay, Danny kind of has a red beard. I have a little bit of red in my beard sometimes. Well, Bodie's got a red bush and blonde, <laughs> bush, so yeah. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that qualifies. I wouldn't you. say I'm a ginger. I mean, that's the only five, so I guess that's uh, so that's the top five. The only um, five. What about women? Robin, Robin, but she had brown hair. You know, Robin's not really a ginger, no? is she? I don't think so. I kind of wanted to claim her. Uh, uh, now, is is the term ginger offensive, Harrison? Not for me, but I do. I would say that you know South Park did directly um, had a big impact on my life f- for sure, and I'm sure most people with red negatively. Hair. Uh, I think I got out pretty lucky because I would maybe be more considered a daywalker, um, but, but you know. I mean, that episode, you could watch it now. It still holds up, I think. So, so essentially, gingers don't have souls is the premise of the reference of the, of the episode, correct? That's correct. Now, c- do you confirm or deny these allegations? For me, that's okay. I, yeah, that's not... I would say probably not, hmm. but... Have you been a victim of ginger shaming? Yes, I would say... I would say... I think it's really gotten cool, though, in these last handful of years. Like... Um, more people are, you know, coming forward and uh, <laughs> having red hair, and then they're being cool people as well. On mm. top of that, so that's important. We need good role models out there, um, you know, and not just like some kind of lame redheaded people. Mm-hmm. At my high school, or at my like middle school, or we had a kick a ginger day. That's right. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, but that's bullying incredible. was big when I was in middle school. Same, same. Spread awareness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So not not as much bullying lately, or where are we at with the bullying? I Harrison? think I don't know. I feel like people are down. I think it's that it's kind of the same arc of like how like skateboarding was accepted, or maybe like now you know everyone's you know wants to date a skater, or it's very cool. And I think uh, you know I see like Noah Peterson. I see a lot of people dyeing their hair red. Um, not saying they want to be gingers, but I'm saying it's popular. Mm. Yeah, just dyed my hair pink. Does that count? Right. Yeah. I think it's in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Harrison, let's keep the lens pointed at you here. Uh, Harry Hagen has an Instagram question. Harrison puts peanut butter and jelly on his breakfast sandwiches. Uh, that's just a, more of a comment. <laughs> he, he seems absolutely appalled by that. 
you. Yeah, Any so comments? I can address that. Yeah, I didn't put peanut butter and jelly on my breakfast sandwich. I made a breakfast sandwich at his house. I'm staying at Harry's house right now. And um, I put jelly, a, like a light um, schmear of jelly on half of the English muffin. And he was disgusted. He basically, you know, yeah, he was very unhappy with me for this. And he was like, what are you doing? And all this stuff. And then, like, he's like, Bugs, get in here. Like, he put jelly on his breakfast sandwich. And so I feel like jelly's in the same wheelhouse of breakfast. It's breakfast item mostly. And there's the Monte Cristo. There's a lot of different um, applications for, mm. for jelly. And I think to put it on a breakfast sandwich is totally fine. So Harry made a bit of a spectacle about this. He's, I think he's, he's just into the classic, you mm. know, eggs and bacon. He wants things to be how they should be. And I am more, I'll throw, you know, a curveball in there and, um, and, and try something different, I guess. Mm. I like Verifying that. question. It was English muffin, jelly, bacon, egg and cheese. Yes. Mm. It's weird. I mean, to some, it may be. I think maybe people, maybe it's a West Coast thing. Maybe it's an East Coast versus West Coast thing. I don't know. There's always been a little bit of uh, tension there. I feel it. Now, all right, let's talk about Blackstrap. Now, I've been testing some of their products lately. They sent some stuff to the bomb hole. And let me tell you, they make some high-performance base layers, beanies, balaclavas, and more. Recently tried out the Blackstrap Summit base layers on a full day hiking around the backcountry. We were getting sweaty, it was cold, and I was really impressed. They're breathable, they're stretchy, they're quick-drying. Good base layers are key for staying warm and comfortable in the mountains, and they are worth investing in. I wear base layers every time I go ride, so great base layers are absolutely crucial, and Blackstrap makes some really high-quality ones, so check them out. Also, I was impressed with their balaclavas. As you know, I wear a helmet these days, new to that game. And I love the fit under the helmet. So if you're looking for a great under the helmet balaclava, be sure to check out bsbrand.com. And you can use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order. Again, that's bsbrand.com, promo code BOMBHOLE, 20% off your order. They also recently came on board to support BOMBHOLE Cup, as well as our Woodward Dust Bomb Ride Day. So support brands that support snowboarding and check out bsbrand.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE for 20% off your order and get yourself looking fresh out there on the hill. Harrison, what's been going on with you this winter? What's your role? I know you're a snowboarder, but you're also doing some some uh, industry work as well, some social media stuff, correct? Um, I've been contributor. I've been doing some con- contributing, um, you know, for a couple different people last couple years, which is cool to kind of supplement the income. Um, but mainly with Crab Grab, I've been helping out with Preston and Don and AK, and um, it's been really fun also in the process. I love Crab Grab and, uh, you know, a couple of team riders right here. So I feel like I'm in good company. Double threat. And uh, Bodie, I'd love to talk to you about you You and Shane just embarked on a big project. What's going on with that? Um, well, not a whole lot yet. <laughs> it's in the very, very infant stages. Um, we just started filming for it um, a week ago, pretty much. And uh, it's going to be a longer process. Um, we're just doing a little bit this year, kind of part time. And then it'll be more next year come out fall of 2025. 
Um, but yeah, we're just getting the wheels on the ground. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited. It's kind of a personal project dear to my heart. Um, um, kind of based on just some feelings that I have inside me. And that's kind of all I can say right now, but there will definitely be more to come uh, soon. So solo, are you going to have homies in it? What's the idea with that? Yeah, just the the premise behind the project is more personal to me. So it'll be mostly me, but I definitely will have homies incorporated throughout. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to link with a lot of different friends and people along the way. Sick. Shane, how's it been? Um, This winter has been all time. You know, um, I feel like after last year with all the record snow, you hear people saying, oh, it's not like last year. But I feel like the older I get, it's never going to be last year, no matter what year it is. So it's been really cool that we're in a flow in Utah that might not be record setting, but it's normal, you know, in quotes. But, um, yeah, I mean, just normal winter is nice. It's cool when you can just drive places. You don't have to fly everywhere. But I got to say, winter in Europe is, I believe, like if you like snow-related lifestyle, is the coolest thing ever. So I'm really hoping that those guys, like the winter just comes back and, and we're able to, um, you know, spread the love. Because, you know, like those winters where it's not that good and a lot of places you have to, you know, have very few places to, to choose from. It's, um, I think that's the key, just being able to just, you know, drive to Tahoe, go up to Canada, go to Wyoming, whatever. Do the, do the fun rounds, do, do this whole thing, you know. Um, I think that's, that's what it's all about. So, this, I mean, this project with Bodhi, it's, it's fitting, it's fun. And I think there's a combination of, you know, when people do like a two-year thing, it's also the combination of keeping the, the shots flowing. So you're seeing things throughout, not just a void, and then all of a sudden two years later you show up, you know. So that's the that's the big thing with this project is balancing, bridging that gap, you know. Real time footage and bangers, saving the bangers. Yeah, we've been filming a lot of Instagram clips, especially in January. We kind of just put everything out, and uh, just the last week or two, we've been starting to save some clips. Um, so yeah, it's good balance. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. From my perspective, I feel like it used to be, like you're you used to put a ton of pressure on yourself when we go out. Like it was like, we're going to go get the big banger. And it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't tense, but like there was just, there's a little bit more pressure around the whole situation. But lately it's been really fucking fun. Not that it wasn't before, but it's been extra fun lately. Cause it feels like, you know, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago, we go out there. What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to hike around, see what happens. And you just walk around Brighton, find mm-hmm. something, get a banger on it, keep it going. What's up with your new approach? Um, yeah, it's just kind of, just show up and see what happens. Like we used to have hit lists and plans and like, we're going to build this and I'm got doing this trick and this whatever. But most of the time now we go out with a loose plan. We're like, Oh, I want to check out this jump. And then maybe we hit it. But then along the way you're like, Oh, that thing's cool. Or that thing's cool. And then it's, it's, it's been more often now, not like the thing that we're trying to hit, but the side thing that is the better shot or more fun or whatever. And, um, so it's just opening the mind to, you know, outside, um, options pretty much. Yeah. Prime example the other day, you're like, I'm going to hike up here and do a slash 
and I'm hiking up the other ridge, and I look over, and next thing I know, Bodie's like shot out of a cannon back seven to the bottom of it. Like, yeah. you're, I'm just going to pat this down. <laughs> it was like you hiked up there to do a yeah. slash, and next thing you know, you're launching a back seven, and it was huge and awesome. Exactly, and that was like a pat down. I didn't, we didn't do anything, but, you know, an hour earlier, we like threw up a wedge and shoveled for an hour, and we're like, oh, this thing's fun, but then, you know, the thing that we were going to go turn on ended up being the better one. So um, just being open to all those outside you know, things. I love that. Now, I would love to talk about your philosophy because it seems like it's changed a little bit in terms of your trick selection. Like I'm seeing, I loved the stuff that you did last year, like a lot of like 360s and then a pat down and then flying off of a, a smaller pat down, but you're you're doing a butter before. Uh, do you want to talk about your kind of trick philosophy and where your head's at with that stuff? Yeah, it's just the evolution of, I don't know, the tricks that I do. And uh, I just get bored, you know? I've always wanted to do a million different things. Like, oh, I want to go hit a kink rail, or, and then I want to go hit a cheese wedge, and then I want to go do an AK line or whatever. Because um, you can't just do one thing forever. And now that I've kind of shied away from the streets, I've taken that different approach to backcountry snowboarding where it's like, yeah, I could go hit a, hit a wedge. I'll definitely go hit a wedge and do some stock tricks, but like, can't just do that all winter because backcountry is a little more limited. So I'm trying to just kind of take what, the knuckle huck has kind of introduced to snowboarding, but bring it to different backcountry features and pillows and transfers. And, um, you know, you can only do a back seven so many times. So sometimes it's cool to do a back three into a back seven or back seven into a 360 or I don't know, all these different butters. And now I've been like thinking even more like taking skate style and trying fakie tricks and nollie tricks and nose blunt butters and just all sorts of different stuff um, from skating, rail riding, and, you know, like think thank shit, but then take it to a bigger scale and more backcountry freestyle. So it's been pretty fun and, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Well, it's been, it's been really fun to watch, and we got a kind of a long-winded Patreon question from Bo Brown. Thank you to our Patreon members. So this is a bit of a long one, but it's, it's a good one. Uh, I thought Flying High Again was one of the better movies this year. Bodie's double song opener was one of the best parts of the year. I went from not knowing who Brandon Davis was to him being my favorite snowboarder. Can we give an ATV of the year award, question mark? Because he's got to be at the top of that list. Anyway, why is no one talking about that movie? Is it too high of a production value to the current grungy trend? Was there not enough thrift store outfits? Or is it a stigma because it's TGR? I don't think the movie or the writers in it are getting the shine they deserve. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, yes. Um, I don't want to throw them under the bus because I love those guys and they put the project together. But I think they did a poor job of releasing it out into the world because a lot of people don't even know that it's out and it's not very easy to view. Um, I don't even know where it is. Maybe you can buy it on iTunes or Apple or something, but it's not on YouTube for free for everyone. So maybe they're going to put it out for free um, at a later date, but they haven't even announced that it's available to watch, I don't think, yet. So I just don't think a lot of people have seen it. Yeah, the only place I saw it was that Wave Rave on, on the, at the snowboard shop. It just happened to be playing, and I was like, yeah. holy shit, this is insane. Yeah, I've had a lot of people say it's like their favorite movie of the year, and I'm like, oh, that's cool that you've seen it. Like, I don't even know where, it, <laughs> where to watch it. Like, um, but I, th I think in this day and age, just people expect everything for free, and I think maybe you have to pay for it still, um, so nobody wants to buy it. 
Okay, this one's from Cody Ferner. He says, will the mini pipe invitational ever make a comeback? Um, uh, sadly, no, but maybe actually. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Mount Hood was always the place to do it because that was uh, Mount Hood's dear to all of our hearts and it was summer slush and it was like so awesome to have a summer event, but there's just never going to be a mini pipe at Mount Hood ever again. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, but now they have a mini pipe up at Woodward. Um, and um, that thing's pretty sweet. So maybe Jill, we Jill's could... doing one too. Oh, yeah. Jill's doing one. She's kind of taking the reins. Um, I'm ex- super excited for Jill's event. Um, so, yeah. So Jill will be taking over and she'll be doing the mini event. Yeah. Uh, mini pipe event. It's the week before Bomb Hole Cup. I don't know the exact dates, but uh, Woodward, check that out. Mini yeah. pipe yeah. contest. Everyone has to come to Utah. Yeah. yeah. We'll be there. Jill's contest and then Bomb Hole Cup. Back yeah. to back. Yeah. Another one for Bodie. This one is from Peter Boacher. Uh, sorry if I butchered your last name. Really sorry. Sorry if I butchered your last sorry name. Sorry if I butchered that thing. Yeah, I did. Holy hell. Bodie, I've heard you take some heat for your mu- musical tastes on the podcast. <laughs> yes, he has. But I always appreciate hearing some emo classics on your Instagram feed. Do you still follow new bands in the genre or just like the old stuff? Um, no, I just like the classics. Mm. Um, new emo music. Um, I don't is I know there is new emo music, more pop punk kind of style stuff, but it's just not the same as uh, you know, nineties, early two thousand stuff and that that's what's dear to my heart. It was a time period and um I don't think that sound can really be replicated today. Uh so yeah. I don't keep up on the current emo trends, just the old ones. Okay, we got another question. This one's from Johnny Mendio. Bodie and Shame work together all the time. What is your favorite thing about working together? Next question, Shane, what's up with all the videos of you riding Pow with no goggles on? And next question, Bodie, how did you get the idea for the clip and flying high again where you do the backflip backslide? So it's a three-parter. Uh, first one, maybe a uh, favorite thing about working together. I'll let Shane talk. I've been talking a lot. Um, I think we covered it already. The favorite thing... I- I mean, it's just being seamless, you know, in that way where, you know, the communication is not something you have to over explain. You don't need to. We're efficient. I feel like if we're talking about things, we both have the reference in mind. And I, I think that that's the thing that leads to the, the best connection. So I would say that's that's probably the thing that that makes it all work the best. I concur. And we're very um I don't know. We're similar minded people in a lot of ways and we work well together. We don't usually fight or argue and uh, that goes a long way. Common goals, you know? Uh, okay, Shane, do you want to field uh, riding pal with no goggles on? Yeah, riding. Um, <laughs> as funny as it is, it's, um, I mean, so many times, you know, we're out there all day from, from bell to bell and at some point of the day, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to take a run. My goggles are torched. So instead of not doing it, you know, riding with no goggles is better than not doing it. So I've just embraced it. But it's actually turned into a really funny scenario where, um, you know, if I have there's a video of me with goggles. People are sending me messages saying, oh, man, that's fucking bullshit. You know, why do you have goggles on? (laughs) It's like, well, because it hurts at some point. So. Hopefully my eyes stay intact and, um, you know, one day I'll get some goggles. 
At yep. this point, I think it's just for comedic value. No, it's, it's really funny. Shane likes to make things so hard on himself. Like he doesn't put the gaiters over his boots so his boots fill up with snow. He doesn't like when he goes to put his goggles on. It's because he's been having his goggles dangle off like his backpack strap, just getting filled with snow all day while he's hiking around. It's like <laughs> he refuses to get a board rack for his snowmobile. He, he still straps the thing on with with tie downs. Tie downs. It's yeah. like they're called cheetah straps. <laughs> They're called cheetah uh, straps and yeah. they work. He just hates convenience. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can respect that. <laughs> no, but you know, it's the philosophy. If you're going to do something hard, the way to overcome that is you do something harder and then it's a lot easier. <laughs> I love it's like so it's great. like snowboarding with ankle weights, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, did you guys ever hear about that? Nottis Coppice? Is that a back thing? in the day? No. Nottis apparently walked around with ankle weights and then when he went skating, he took them off. And then he mm -hmm. could ollie way better than everyone else. More pop. Well, yeah. that's Scott so. Stevens, too, how he gets so good at tramp skating. He tramp skates with ankle weights on, and then he takes them off, and he can do a 360 flip 10 feet in the air. Yeah, exactly. These are, these so. are little <laughs> tricks of the trade, so to speak. Well, you know, it goes into the category of when we were younger, first starting to go to Alaska. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people get left overnight. And I remember this guide saying, man, don't eat your lunch until you go home. And I'd be like, Why? And it's like, because if you're the only one that has that lunch, you guys are going to survive off of it, you know? So I just remember it'd be like, I'm not that hungry. I can eat this when we get home. And then you see those people, if it's an hour late, they're going to starve, you know? So I think in the other day, it's the same thing with the goggles. And my goggles just happen to lay in the snow all the time. I think sometimes it's almost like... <laughs> they just happen to no, be No, but it's like cursed. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll pull them out of my bag and then they get bumped and they're in the snow. So it's like, fuck it. <laughs> I don't need them. <laughs> mm. I got another hard-hitting topic here. Uh, it's an absolute media juggernaut, uh, a hypothetical media company uh, that goes by the name of Screen Grab Magazine. Uh, well, we have a great partnership with them. Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate on your partnership? Um, yeah, you know, nowadays it's hard to find photographers that want to come out on a daily basis, and uh, Screen Grab Magazine reached out to us, and... Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's amazing the shots that they come up with on the daily when we're out filming. <laughs> so. A lot of great content coming across the feed oh. on that. Yeah. Bo, do you got anything to add? Um, yeah. Um, we were out yesterday. We had a bunch of content for Screen Grab Magazine. I think um, Jack Coyne got the cover of the day of Screen Grab Magazine. So there's a pretty much cover of the day. Every time we go out, somebody wins Screen Grab Magazine cover of the day. Yeah, I was just telling Harry the other day, let's go get some online covers because yeah. that's what it's all about. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to provide a little context, when you're riding with these guys, uh, generally speaking, even if you don't land, there's going to be a lot of talk about Screen Grab Magazine. That's essentially when you film a clip and you just screenshot it, and there's a great moment. Um, and uh, not a lot has been published yet, but there's a lot in the hopper. Yeah. You know, that's debatable because it's published every day on this little website or uh, app. Um, you guys have heard of it? Which one? MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all goes to MySpace every day. So if you're not on MySpace, be sure to subscribe. <laughs> all right. Was there another part to yeah, that Yeah, the question? backslide, backflip situation? Backflip, backslide? Oh, the backslide, backflip. I, um, I, I probably got it from Scott, honestly. I don't know. He does. I take a lot of inspiration from Scott. Um, I think he is, is there an, uh, like an iconic Scott clip of him sliding on his back to flip or something? There, the, I mean, there's the mattress thing, right? Or was oh, it the, um, yeah, the mattress? Oh, thing. the mattress. He went, um, yeah, he went 
backflop on a mattress to flip. Um, send them over like tires and shit and, bo- and like, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes we're just fucking around on the slope and you'll just try to slide around on your back or whatever. And, and if you pop into a backslide, it's pretty easy to, to do a backflip out and, uh, just had the idea to do it on like a bigger step down feature, um, and found the right feature for it. And, uh, it actually worked really well. It was third try. The first time I went way too fast, missed the flip and like landed on my head. And then I think it was like two more tries and, and it got Where, it, so. Which step down was that? Um, they they call it yellow gl- cliffs. Up, up uh, it's Alta right, or whatever, or up Grizzly. Mm-hmm. Right next to Pyramid Gap. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Dude, I love, and then is that the one Cocard nollied? Yep. Yeah, uh, same same day. Yep. Or no, yeah, one of them. Back three, back seven? Yep, back three, back seven, same day. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, we're going to change gears into a hard-hitting topic. I'm going to let Shane field this one. We're getting into uh, some deep philosophy here, but while we have Shane here, might as well wind him up and let him go. This one's from Jason Bollyman. What is success? Oh, man. We talk about this all the time. Um, I think success is really, it comes down to um, something that you define in yourself because... um, uh, one thing that I, I believe is generalizing really destroys the beauty of the world. So things are not in general. And when you talk about something like success, uh, my success might not be your success. You know, some people might want to travel the world every week for their whole, their whole life. Other people might want to settle down and live in the country, never leave. Both are success. So... As far as, um, you know, snowboarding related, it's just like there are people that want to be the world champ. That's success. Then there's some people that will never compete and be absolutely successful. So I feel like to you, to ourselves. What, what is success to you particularly, Shane? To me, it's, uh, it's to be free and to be outside every day. You know, to have the solid connections with people, to be in a place that's inspirational and motivational. I think that's it for me. Beautiful. Harrison, you got anything to add to that? I could never, I could never say anything as eloquent as that. I think uh, we all have uh, Shane to thank for a lot of things, and perspective is uh, one of them that I always really appreciate, actually. So. Well, thanks. But what do you think is success? I don't know. I feel like... Uh, the freedom to do what you want is uh, is the ultimate goal, and so in the you know in the short term, I think we've all achieved it. Um, you know, it's funny. Met this guy recently. You know, a lot of people I've met recently that are successful have sold their companies, found this you know high achievement in their life. You know what they're doing with their money and their time? Shredding. They're shredding, <laughs> and they're going snowmobiling. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what we do almost every day. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to think about. People are going to snowboard. People are going to Brighton. People are going snowmobiling, and they're going snowboarding. You know? That's crazy. It's just been a weird repeated theme lately where it's like, how amazing is this? It makes me, you know, rethink our life choices because sometimes, you know, for any of us, it's like, what, what are we doing? snowboarding it's so genuinely dumb you all know? the time but it feels so great yeah and then all of a sudden these people that have achieved all this greatness what they want to do is what we're doing every day mm-hmm. 
So if that is not a testament mm -hmm. to how success, all the spokes go to the same hub, I don't know what is. We're, yeah, we're truly blessed. You know what I've been think I think about it lately, like, you know, we pursued the like pro snowboard dream and wouldn't change it for the world. But I, I truly admire the people that set their life up with intent to where they get to snowboard as much as they want, or they, they build their life like that. Like take, for example, Matty Mo. you know, Matty Mo has been a DJ for fucking 20 years. And now he's set up his life where he works weddings all summer. He grinds his ass off. He just works his ass off. And then he doesn't really take much gigs in the, in the winter. So he can just snowboard all the time. And he doesn't snowboard to be paid. He doesn't snowboard to be sponsored. He doesn't snowboard for clout. He just purely goes and snowboards. And he's built his life to where he can go snowboard all the time. And I look at that and I just admire people that it's not like it, it's just gifted. to them. They've built their life like that. And I, I, I truly admire people that, mm -hmm. you know, the people that work to really ride. Uh, and like, uh, honestly, sometimes more than the pros, you know, like. You know, I, I refer to that as like surf-minded. Because you see these people at the beaches, and you don't see these guys at all. And then the waves get enormous. There's barely anyone out. And it's like the insurance salesman guy, Gary, he's freaking getting it. And then, you know, like you see these people show up where it's like the plumber dude, he's ripping. And those are the, the, coolest, those are the coolest stories of the whole thing. Just like snowboarding, you know. It's for all the pros and all the stuff that people do that is seen. It's those unseen rad people that go every day and it's like, that's it. That's church. That's the therapy station. That is the workout spot. That's everything. And it's like, that's, I wish we could highlight those people more. They're everywhere. That's it. Can we talk about Parker Duke's new part that he just oh, put out? Oh yeah. Cause speaking of, he does, he, not only does he snowboard and film a video part, he works all summer to film a video part. He's not just going and ripping pow all winter. He's working a job all summer long so he can go film a video part for nothing. Mm -hmm. God, I fucking love that. Like, it's like so inspiring. Launching uh, Natty yeah. back sevens yeah, and dude, just still crushing. getting a piece. Yeah. Um, that's inspiring to me because if I had my dream, it would be to film. I just want to film. Like I love filming just as much as I love snowboarding, if not more. Um, so if I can film a video part when I'm 50 and just, just to do it, I don't even care if it's being seen. Like that's my goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. love that. I think there's something cool to talk about that with you too. Cause I think, I think I see a lot of people that are like, they're like, I need to film a video. Oh, I need to film a video part. Like I got to figure out how to film video part I need, or whatever. And for you, I feel like with, with Bodie and Shane, you've, and both, both of you guys have seen this. It's like. Bodhi's like, I have this fucking trick that's burning a hole in my soul that I need to go do. And it's like this creative outlet to like, give, just let me, let me take this idea that's in my brain and let me, I, no, I haven't seen anybody do it, but I know it's possible. I think I can do it. And that's, I feel like that's you in a nutshell. It is. And it's not just like the trick that's burning. Um, it's, I mean, it's cliche to say, but filming a snowboard video part or creating a movie um it's such an art form and that's how i look at it and it's not just I, how my mind works is yes i want to do this trick but i have like beyond that it's like i have this song picked out i have this point in the song where i want this trick to go and i have this lifestyle that i want to go with it and i have you know this creative direction from this spot and it all ties together to an end goal that's a video part or a movie and um and it's just that's I'm obsessed with it and I always will be. And it's just that process of making the video. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the whole thing. 
I love that. Yeah. One thing I just want to interject here, like to your point, um, it was like four years ago we were hanging out and we were at Brighton and you um, you did the back three to back three on that rock. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned to me that day that you were like, oh my God, it'd be so cool actually to do like a back seven to this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sort of a... Spoiler alert, but uh, but three days ago you did it, and you've yeah. been like thinking about it for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. So yeah, um, came to fruition. So I think that's an interesting thing to talk about too. In in our, I think our philosophy in filming is is totally different than the kids. And I think when you look at uh, take for example, like Scott Stevens and myself and you, and we grew up with uh, you know Think Tank, and it was so. It was so trick based. Like we, mm-hmm. we, it was like I, I've always operated with a list of preconceived tricks that I'm like, oh, that I would love to do this. And sometimes they've been done, sometimes they hadn't, or maybe it's a new spot or what have you. And then, and then the spot reveals itself for that trick. And I feel as though a lot of the, a lot of the snowboarding from the youth is they're driving around, they're looking for the spot, and they they reverse engineer it. Whether once I find the spot, then I'll find this trick. Do you want to elaborate on that, Bodie? I feel like you might have a take on this. Yeah, so kind of, I I have a long list of tricks that I've always thought about um, and things that I have done in the past that I want to redo. But yeah, there's, in my mind, there's like, oh, I want to do this trick. I need this certain spot for it. And then, you know, you're not even looking for it, but then all of a sudden you come across and you're like, that's the spot. That is, that's it. It's like the pillow to the pillow to do this on this off or whatever. but it's not just that's not one way that I operate. It's, it, it can be both. I can see the spot and be like, oh, that's the perfect spot for this trick. And then so it's just keeping in the open mind to to come across whatever needs to happen in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know. But yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I think I just have noticed a big a big spike, which I think it's it's all it's all good. And however you whatever you value in snowboarding, I see a lot of the videos they value the aesthetic. And it's really a lot about the aesthetic and the spot. And then I think about, you know, to take it to the extreme, look at Stevens and he's literally like, it is, it's not even a spot. It's, <laughs> it's a fucking, it's a bench in a par- park. It's, it's like a pile of dog shit on the ground. He can film a clip on that. Mm-hmm. Like he can film a clip on nothing, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's, it's like, that's to the extreme of trick over spot. Yeah, a lot of people are too concerned about the aesthetic these days, or and back in the day too. Even like jump builders, like I don't give a shit if my blocks are square. But some people are like, this jump has to look perfectly square and like you know manicured. And I'm like, yeah, it's a pile of snow. I don't give a shit what it looks like. Or like some people be like, oh, the landing doesn't look good anymore. It's bombed out. It's like if the landing has a giant hole in it and it looks like dog shit, I need to ride away from this. I'll keep going until I ride away. Like. Um, aesthetic really isn't part of it for me. It's just the drive of, of the trick and the clip. You got anything to add, Shane? I mean, it's not unlike the, um, the quality of the camera, you know? <laughs> well, nowadays, uh, you know, if, you, if, if it's like, oh, it's not a shot on a red, it's like, you know, if you shot that on your iPhone and it's dope, it's freaking dope. So th- that's the same thing. But I was going to ask you, do you guys believe in manifestation? 100%. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... It's like when you start crunching on these tricks, do you think that it almost creates these places to pop up? Or maybe that you'll notice that you just didn't notice before? Oh, 100%. Yeah, if you put it out there, it, you'll find it eventually. But if you don't put it out there, 
you know, it won't know to look for you. Yeah. Which is pretty cool because it's like when people don't have the intention, then it's like, if your intention is nothing, whatever, then you get whatever. And that's what I was wondering if you guys, if that applies to the way that you come up with the tricks and then all of a sudden the world's like, well, actually, since you're looking for this, here's a spot. And maybe you went by it a hundred times, a thousand times. Oh, it happens all the time. We go back to the same spots year after year, week after week sometimes. And then all of a sudden you'll look past the thing that you have hit and be like, where the hell did that come from? Like, what the hell? Where, where did that come from? And it's like the sickest thing and you have the perfect trick for it or whatever. So if you just keep going and keep going and keep going, it'll reveal itself to you. Also, I'm curious, Bodie, what, what percentage of the snowboarding is done in the mind beforehand? Like how much mindboarding have you done on these tricks before you do them in person? Most of, <laughs> most of it is done in the mind. I was, uh, teachers used to get mad at me so much in school. Um, I would just be daydreaming about tricks and I would have my pencil or pen and I'd be like flipping it off the table to do like the rotation that I wanted to do and just mind snowboarding with a pencil all day long, all day long, just freaking space cadet out there. And, um, so yeah, I'm, it's, it's constant. That's all I think about. <laughs> yeah, one of the coolest manifestation stories I heard recently, Mia Brooks, she, uh, like a couple years, last year she was at X games and then I guess every single day between this X Games and last, she woke up and she said, I'm going to win X Games this year. And she showed up and she fucking could have won with any of her three runs. And so it's like, you know, there, there's some truth. There is truth to that. And I think the mind is, is a powerful beast that we're just on the tip of the iceberg, you know, as far as like what it's capable of doing. And it's so much of it. I, I always felt like, like what percentage of snowboarding is occupied in your brain always determined to how well I was riding. Like if you don't, if you're not strapped in in a snowboard, but you're constantly mindboarding, as I like to call it, then when you do go strap in, you're going to be sharp as a tack. Mm-hmm. Just wait till we have computer chips in our brains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go back to editing too. I was thinking about this, like shout out to like major editors, you know, like Carlino and all these, these guys that make really clean edits and they're, they shoot it on red and they color grade it. But I'm, I'm watching, I was watching Carlino color grade this thing the other day and he's like, ah, this is just, this color is just a little bit off. And he's like tweaking it like, you know, 5%. And he's like, there it is. That looks better. And like, there's like editors, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a dick. And this isn't the shot at you, Carlino, but I'm just saying like (laughs) the only people that give a shit about color grading are other fucking editors. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you watch Susie Greenberg 270, the Mm. movie. Mm -hmm. It's like filmed on an iPhone with dirt on the lens, vertical, some's horizontal. We got a GoPro. We got a shitty, like his like wife is probably filming it and it's like not framed well, but it's like the trick is entertaining. The trick, the trick, the trick Mm -hmm. it's all about is the clip entertaining. Is the clip entertaining? And is the music good? And is the editing good? And yep. that's really what it comes down to. Like, how cool is Brown? Like, one of the sickest movies of the last while. And it's so mixed media, you know? And in so many other projects, like, everything has to be read. We can't have anything be different. And, you know, Brown's got Super 8. It's got 16. It's got Digi. It's got iPhone or whatever. And, like, dude, so much of Space Cadet that we filmed was just on our phones. Like, just shitty phone clips but then when it's like you know tied together it all looks great and you don't even notice that it's not a freaking red cam or well whatever. i was gonna say um one of the best examples jerome his movie oh, yeah jerome's movie was filmed 100 percent with a dad cam that was just passed around 
for trip after trip, and then the way it was packaged, one of the best snowboard movies of all time. Mm. Absolutely. True. Uh, we got a guest question uh, via Instagram from BMO Barrel Seeker. Shut up, BMO. I want to hey, I want to see BMO in the Natty Select. Let's make that happen. He's going to be a threat. Uh, Shane, what's the rawest, most emotional clip you've ever filmed? Um, it depends what emotion we're talking about. Um, you know, one of the craziest things that first comes to mind when you say that is um, years ago, you know, we're filming Absinthe. Uh, it could be the pop year, maybe the year after, and we're in Alaska. And we're filming, um, and Nicholas and Travis are both on the peak. And this one run, um, it's really steep, really spiny. And I'm focusing in to shoot Nicholas, and out of the corner of my eye, I just see motion. And um, Travis had, all of a sudden, the, the cornice had broken off. And he went down in the cloud, in the snow, in the avalanche, down the run faster than anyone could straight line it. And I mean, right there, I just remember thinking like, holy shit, I just watched my friend die. And right there, I was the only person with the radio and had to hit up Al, who was our legendary pilot. And he's just hovering and, you know, because we're shooting the doors off with Justin up there and me on the peak and... And it's like, oh, my God, Travis was in that because nobody was focusing on him. So he was just off to the side, broke off. And that pilot, Al, such a legend, just dives down the whole mountain in the helicopter. And at the bottom, he just radios. I see him. His head's above the snow. But we're saying, like, imagine the scariest AK run you can imagine. Rocks, spines, everything. Just going down that slide, like, you could be mangled. A million things could happen. And I just remember in that moment, just that, like, that, like, holy shit. Just watch my friend die. And, like, I think that's the, the thing that, you know, when people, for anyone, in the streets and the mountains, and it's like, don't break your leg, don't break your neck, you know, that, that, that kind of statement. It's like, yeah, we're here for the good stuff. And so as far as emotions, that, that comes to mind because right there, it gets into that level because even people that I've known in the past that asked me to film them base jump ski stuff, and I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then it's like someone almost dies doing that, and it's like, I am good. This is not what we're here to do. You know? This, that's not it. So that's what I would say. Heavy. Thanks for sharing wow. that story. I got to ask, thinking of emotion, I think about the Jeff Anderson year uh, back in black, the year that he passed away, and you filmed most of his footage in that, correct? Absolutely. Did, did you film the rail jam where he does a 270 and then his mom's clapping and he's going like, yeah, Jeffy. Oh, yeah. That to me is like one of the most emotional clips ever in snowboarding. Well, you know, speaking of emotions with Jeffy, um, before he went to Japan where he you know, passed away, um, the night before he left to go there, I'll never forget that um, he did the, the hospital kink in Utah, which is like 28 stairs flat, 28 stairs. It's enormous. I think it's gone now. But um, we had gotten kicked out three times that night. Colin Langlois was helping us. It was like the most insane night. And then when he did it, you know, we were just losing our mind. And then I remember we watched the Zero Skate movie had come out that year. We watched that that night, and then Jeffy was like, I got to go, you know? But it was like that kind of, like, I don't want to go. And we just, it was just such a pinnacle of filming for those, like, those months. And um, just, i never forget it, because it was just such a, 
a strange, you know, uh, like I've always seen patterns and I, I believe that, um, we have to be careful about once again, manifesting, but it's like also not peeking out, you know, because it's like, after you peek out, it's like the high school quarterback, they peek out a homecoming and then life's downhill from there, you know, then your uncle Rico all of a sudden. And I feel like that sometimes for friends that have passed away, I'm like, holy crap, did they just solve the thing? You know, because I feel like that back in black, that season with Jeffy up until that moment was just, it was just ramping up session after session after session where you're just like, this is, this is the great stuff. Like, this is it. So I would say that emotion was, was, is right up there. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It's interesting stuff talking about that too. Thinking about spending a lot of time with Ken before he passed and he was in this space, this space of like the happiest I've ever seen him. The, like he just was living every day to its fullest, just totally locked in and just enjoying life and just, just fully thriving, like thriving, thriving, like you're describing kind of Jeffy in a way. And sometimes you wonder, you know, you wonder about that where you're, did they know it was coming and they were getting it in or, you know. Well, one thing's guaranteed and nothing lasts forever. So it's about what we fill the time with, you know. And I feel like that's just that really um, very emotional question of, you know, seeing each peak for the plateau to the next one. Like, where does that take you? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just make the ultimate peak, you know, and then what do you do? You go down after you get there, you know. So it really, it, it, it's, it's a way of maintaining your, uh, your life stoke, really. What do you mean by, like, like, not peaking? Do you just mean, like, being interested in a lot of different things? Um, I think the, the, you know what's weird is it's like when you hang out with people that are know-it-alls, they're constantly saying the same thing, and it's, it's limitations. They're telling you what's happened up till now. Everyone knows this, but it's like, well, everyone back in the day didn't know about radios. And if you would have told them about that, they'd think you're crazy. So it's about maintaining that in your life, and nobody is in control. And no matter what plans we make, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So, but there's also this maintaining the, like I said, the pattern of not peeking out, like seeing the pattern, like see that when you get to that ultimate moment, maybe that's just the step to the next ultimate moment as opposed to like we're here, that's it, mm. you know? Because like, it's like people that do Everest. They're, yeah, that's the, the tallest mountain in the world, but there's so many amazing mountains. So it's not the only one you need to climb, you know? And I always think about, same with the surf-mindedness, our snowboarding world, it's not about the one time. It's about how many times have you been able to do it? And it's like, how, how long has that span gone for, you know? And I've always thought that, like, when I go to Hawaii and you hang out with people and you're like, how old is that old auntie there? And it's like, oh, she's 90, out surfing on her longboard. And you're just like, come on. So it's more, to me, that's saying, like, it's more about the feeling than the thing. It's definitely about the feeling, yeah. I, I like this subject, too, because if you think about what we do, it's like we have these high highs. You're, we're going to go, like you're saying, like you're talking about summering, summiting Everest, maybe for us, building a big cheese wedge, doing some trick, big adrenaline dump. And then a lot of times, you know, lot, spend a lot of my life, go big, you know, on 
on the at the snowboard park, you go big at the bar, and what goes up must come down. And and like then you got these lows where you crash and you burn, and you're and it's this kind of volatile graph like you're describing. And it's it's interesting though is like um like it's like the Craig Kelly quote we, I mentioned on the show all the time, but it's it's like you can also find just as much enjoyment out of a heelside turn out of a walk in the park with your dog as you, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's, it's the extreme extremes don't have to, you don't have to go to those extremes to be that happy. You can just, you can experience happiness in the little things. This reminds me kind of of something we were talking about earlier, where I feel like in Salt Lake specifically, but also in the snowboarding tiny little community that we exist in in general, like I've just met so many people who, are so bitter and get so upset that they're not like getting paid enough and they deserve more. And like, I'm sure there is truth to that. But to me, like not being someone who's never pursued a professional snowboarding career, like I'm like, just like take a little bit of perspective. Like, yeah, you're only getting paid like 12 grand a year to snowboard, but you're getting paid 12 grand a year to snowboard. Like you could be just like work another job and also be doing that. Like snowboarding doesn't owe you anything and it's so much about the perspective and it's just like sucks to see people just like leave and like extinguish the flame in a bitter way because they just like get caught up in it um yeah to go off of that um just to see or to hear you guys speak about um heavy metal and how gigantic it was and people were losing their minds and how giant of event it was a lot of those guys and girls who are winning are making $12,000 a year, maybe less, if not, you know, nothing, you know, some of them are making nothing or like working summer jobs and, uh, and they're out there winning heavy metal. So, um, yeah. yeah and they're like having fun with it. Like, it's yeah. just like, if you can still have that and have fun with it and just like, I don't know, think about the people who, who never get to snowboard or have mm-hmm. to have to work two jobs to feed their family or like anything. It's just so easy to get so caught up and it's like, just take a step back. Mm-hmm. When you say that, I, I, you know, none of us gets to choose where we grow up, but growing up yeah. in Buffalo, I was always like, everyone else lives in a cooler place than me, you know? And it's that mentality that instead of we have to hike the mountain, we get to hike the mountain mm-hmm. and then we get to ride down. Like, that's amazing. Whatever it is, you know, if we have to make the jump, it's like, we get to make this jump. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's such a translation to our whole thing, you know, the... Being able to get to do this, um, going back to the, you know, growing up, the we don't get to choose it, but it's really cool when you get to grow up to appreciate the things that you're getting to do for all of us, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like that's also maintaining that pattern of, you know, the next the next horizon and the next like rise of even the glimpse of the next mountain instead of like this finality of. You know, I remember when the Olympics started with snowboarding, it's like, oh, if I don't go, people would be like, if I don't go to the Olympics, my life's over. And it's like, really? Is that, is that the case? Because that's insane, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I like, uh, it's interesting hearing that stuff too. What, what comes to mind as you're saying that too is I, I, I'm in the circle. I hear a lot of conversations about, uh, you know, people not making enough money and, and we've had them on this show and there, there are certainly, uh, you could argue that there are in inequalities in snowboarding in some senses. There's, there's no denying that. Uh, and I, what also comes to mind in addition to that is that I, I see it as a, 
as a misplaced energy. Like, I think there's so much energy going towards the fact, like uh, the focus, like you're describing on like, we're not getting enough money. And it, and then you take that same energy and you put it towards mind boarding and appreciating your surroundings and filming the best snowboarding and doing the best snowboarding you can. And, and being an infectious energy that others want to hang around with that just want to be around you because it's infectious, your excitement. And that's going to take you a lot further than the complaining and the, the, the focus on the negative, you know, and that's just, that's just facts. I don't know how else to argue that, but sure. it's all about the yeah. staying focused on what's your desired outcome. Yeah. 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 Like you yeah. guys have together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like going back to like the Joey and the Egan's who are winning. Yeah. Red Bull Heavy Metal, they're, you know, they're not complaining, but they deserve it, and those companies should pay them. They deserve yeah, it. So, totally. Um, yeah. Crushing. For sure. Crushing. Pay them so they don't have to work a job because they deserve to snowboard for a living. Great takes. All right, I'm going to change gears to a little bit more light-hearted uh, question from Zach Oski. Uh, what's everyone's first board? Um. I got mine at a local ski swap, and it was a Pinto Snowboards Cami Potter Pro Model. I don't even, if have wow. you, do you guys even know no. who Cami Potter is? No. Nope. Uh, she was a, sort of a pro snowboarder for an unknown brand called Pinto. <laughs> wow. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of Pinto. Shane? Oh. Uh, mine would be um, it was a Burton Elite back in the day. What kind of bindings? Um, those bindings that were on it. I don't know. It, it, you know what's funny, though, is I really I wanted um, a Sim switchblade so bad. I thought that was the coolest looking board. It still seems like just like almost like the pre-fab like creation of like a PAL surfer with, that had crappy bindings on it. What but, year did you get your first snowboard? Um, 69. <laughs> <laughs> Harry? Um, I think that mine was like, uh, I think it was a Moro actually kind of random, but bottle tea spoon. What are no, we talking? I think it was a little bit after that. Um, but it was, a, it was, that was a rental board that I think Valsurf actually sold my dad. So mm-hmm. I got a little, little hookup on that. Jules, you remember yours? I don't know the brand, but the top sheet was white and it had like a like a green worm with like a big head so if anyone knows what that board is <laughs> let me know i'm Great sure there's some, some nerds will probably be able to Holden figure Barth that out is gonna yeah. be like, i know what it is <laughs> shout out hb shout out hb uh yeah i had a black snow and then a moro model t actually so uh, that was my first you real had board. a black snow like a plastic one with no just like the straps over there you know what honestly the first ones for us in buffalo were we took our trucks off our skateboards turned them around backwards put leather straps over them, and we rode them down these hills. And that was it. And it's so funny to think about that was the beginning of snowboarding. It was like, this is so cool. And then we randomly met some guy, and it's like, these are snowboards. And it's like, (laughs) what the hell? What's a snowboard? All right. uh, We're going to take a call from Kelsey Boyer, who has Save-A-Brain. She is very well-versed in the uh, subject of helmets. We have so many questions all the time about helmets. People always want to know, what helmet should I get? Which ones are the best? How do I buy a helmet? Well, we got the person here to answer all your questions. We got Kelsey Boyer from Save a Brain. What's happening, Kels? How are you? Hello, crew. Honored to be here. Honestly, it feels like I'm like, do I know a lot about helmets? We're about to find out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely you do. 
I'm excited. I'm, I feel like I've been learning more and more about helmets and it's like, it's kind of like getting into like F1 racing, you know, like you're just learning a new industry. Yeah. Well, let's just dive right in. You know, like what do you recommend for the customer looking for a helmet? Like what should they know if they're going to buy one? Walk us through it. Oh, okay. Walk you through it. Um, I've learned everything pretty much just like through my own experience. Cause I definitely don't mess around with getting the perfect fitting helmet. So for kind of what I've learned is, yeah, just dialing it in and making it as comfortable as you can, because look good, feel good is definitely a part of the helmet game. And if you're not feeling comfortable in that, you're not going to be hyped to wear it. So I definitely always just say like, you know, grab what you're going to wear, you know, grab your goggles, your face mask, maybe beanie underneath, grab all of your accessories and then hit your local shop. Try a bunch on because helmet brands have different, um, am I blanking on the name, but, uh, kind of like different, Oh, like prototypes. Oh yeah. Molds. Thank you. Thank you. My brain, um, different molds. And so it's like, if your head doesn't fit a Giro, maybe it fits an Anon or maybe it fits a Smith. So definitely just like grabbing your accessories and hitting your local shop and trying a bunch on is the best way to start. Um, Cause and you again, can just get like a good, good fit there. Just to clarify also like try it on with the equipment you're going to be wearing while snowboarding. Yes, so yes. beanie on underneath. Cause that's a totally different yes. fit than just on the dome ski. It's, it's like you're hitting a car dealership and you want to test ride it. Like get, get fully in it. I love that. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a huge pro tip. Like for me, I didn't know getting into helmets and, and I remember Sage was like rock a scully beanie underneath. Like you should, it, the yeah. Oakley helmet fits better with the scully beanie underneath. And I did, and it does, you know, and I think those are yeah. like little tricks of the trade. Like what, what are you wearing underneath the helmet's going to be a huge factor on how the thing rides on your head. For sure. And it's like you said, it's different for everyone. Like for me, I wear nothing underneath my helmet. Um, cause that's just like what works best. So yeah, definitely just like take different, you know, thickness of beanies and try them on or try no beanie. It's just kind of like, it's a choose your own adventure kind of ride. Um, and yeah, just kind of like tailor it to you and play around with it. Okay. Now let's talk manufacturers. So we got Jiro, we got Smith, we got Oakley, Pac, Protec, Anon, Dekine, like the, the list goes on as far as manufacturers. Yeah. Do you have any that you prefer? Uh, personally, I, and this is the one, like through Saber Brain, people are always just like, I'm trying to get into wearing a helmet. Uh, what do you recommend? And the one that I wear as well, and that we recommend is called the Giro Ledge. Um, it's a hundred dollars price point. It has MIPS technology in it. And MIPS is kind of like, uh, just like a, like preventative technology, like high technology within the helmet, but it basically just like helps reduce rotational motion. So it like lessens the impact in a way, like instead of like your head just smashing into your helmet, it helps it glide um, to lessen that impact. So it has that in it, which I always recommend get the high technology. Um, it's like very compatible with, a bunch of different goggle brands because that's also a huge thing is like if you want a seamless fit 
normally you have to buy the helmet and the goggle, but the Giro Ledge is very compatible with a bunch of different brands. Uh, it has like, you know, you can remove your ear pads, the goggle clip if you want to wear your goggles over or under. So that's like the one that like we recommend to everybody and that seems very friendly. So that's like definitely where I would start. But what's cool is a lot of those helmet brands that you mentioned also have their own mold of the Giro Ledge. So it's like they all kind of make a price point of the $100 one. It's kind of like you can have the Ferrari, you know, the $300, $400 one, or you can have still like, you know, the Subaru, the good one <laughs> for a good price. So that's definitely the one I'd recommend. Yeah, I heard you say something earlier, basically like the best helmet's the one you're going to wear. Yeah, yeah. When we were, uh, Saverbrain actually released a Giro Ledge collab um, this past year. And I was just picking the helmet engineer's brain, just kind of being like, there's a big debate about goggles over or under. And like, what is this helmet that we made tailored to? And he was like, oh, we actually um, think about goggles over and under for all helmets in a way. And the safest helmet that we believe is the one that you're going to wear. So it's like, if your helmet is like, you know, nice and fitting and comfortable and your goggles are under, that's better than not wearing one at all. I love that. That's a great, so, so you don't have a opinion on over or under that's a, that's an age old question. Yeah. I, it is such a debate. I seriously like get lit up about it all the time. And I've just been like doing so much research, but like, yeah, once he said that, I was like, wow, that actually like makes a lot of sense. And like, I personally go over, um, I used to be an under, but now I prefer over. So yeah, it's kind of just, again, like personalized to what is comfortable for you, but I just like to wear it how, you know, the easiest. Cool. I love that. But, I'm going to drop in a little bit of info cause I've tested the Giro helmet. That was my first helmet I ever <laughs> ran for a while. It was great. Uh, and then I've been running the Oakley, uh, mod one pro with the Oakley line miners. That's a great combo. Okay. They, they fit, they pair nicely together. You can't really go wrong. And I recently just got a Smith helmet and Smith goggles. And the thing that blew me away with that is just how lightweight the setup was. Like I was just like, this mm -hmm. kind of feels like nothing on my head. So, um, they, again, there's like so many, what are you looking for in a setup? And so, uh, like you said, I, I love the advice about trying on a bunch of different stuff, like instead of just ordering it off a website and, you know, go to your local shop, try it on. You might have a giant egghead and it might not fit properly. Right. Just looking like a Jimmy Neutron fool. Yeah. You definitely like, I don't know. I think for me, I'm always looking for, yeah, like a sleek fit, minimalist look, lightweight, uh, kind of the flexibility of can I tighten my straps to make it very snug? Like, do, does it have a boa to help with that? So yeah, it's definitely just like little things. And yeah, you really can't get a gauge of how they truly fit until you really do just put them on. It's kind of like demoing a board, you know? Yeah. Great Intel. And lastly, I'd love to have you fill us in on what's going on with Save a Brain. Oh, what is going on with Save a Brain? Um, like fresh off the jet lag. So, what, well, what are you, for those who are unfamiliar, what is Save a Brain? Uh, so, Save a Brain is a nonprofit. We focus on prevention and education of traumatic brain injuries and concussions. 
We've been a nonprofit now for May is our four year mark, which is wild. Um, and yeah, we've just kind of been entering a very cool phase of a nonprofit where we, you know, I've been just like seeing the impact that we've made and we're just kind of like, like pausing to reassess where our impact is greatest. And we're just trying to really hone in there um, and make the the biggest impact that we can. And yeah, just kind of see what the community needs. So it's been a really cool, just like reflective period and connection period with the industry and community. So it's been a, a different phase of running a nonprofit, which has been cool. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. We got some new programming in the works that we're excited to share. So all right. That's been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all this stuff with us and taking the time. Kelsey, we appreciate you. No, of course. Thanks for having me. And yeah, everybody go, go get your helmets and get your friend a helmet. Good stuff. All right. Appreciate <laughs> you, Kels. We'll talk soon. Thanks, crew. All right. Here we go. Let's talk master plan communications. Now it's a PR agency that will take your brand to the next level. They have worked in snowboarding for a long time. Brands like Cole, 32, Etnies, and many more. My friend Ashton founded it. He rules. He's dedicated to snowboarding. He's just a, just a great human all around. They offer everything from social media strategy to web design to brand design to PR campaigns. They're all about strategic PR programs with measurable results. So if you want to elevate your brand, check out masterplancommunications.com for more info. Again, that's masterplancommunications.com for more info. And let's keep supporting brands that are run by snowboarders. All right, we've been going for a while. What do you guys think about hitting a quick salt and uh, wrapping up this show last however long we go? You guys want to do I got one? one in the fucking got chamber. Got one. All right. Start it off. Oh. Wow, that's good. All right, I'm ready. Oh, man. That's wonderful. This is a great topic here. Uh, I, I like this one. This one's from uh, on Instagram at Handsome Party. What are your pre-riding slash warm-up stretch routines? What's a morning look like? Food, wake-up time, etc. before going snowboarding. <laughs> I went too hard. Bodie's, Bodie's still recovering. Maybe, Harrison, maybe you can field this one. stuck in my nose. What's the pre, pre-riding? Uh, Harrison's a big breakfast cooker. Yeah, I like to have breakfast. I like to have, um, you know, it depends upon what time we're looking for arrival. But um, I'm a fan of taking taking your time and having a good breakfast. And uh, these days, I do actually like to stretch. I think I used to talk a lot of shit on stretching, but now I'm I'm on board. Um, you know, it, with respects to the um, to the uh, the quote. Of uh, which I'm somehow blanking on right J2. now. J2. The J2 quote, um, which is... Shane? Sleep in your gear and then you're always ready. No, not that one. <laughs> not that one. No, oh, the one... Stiff and piss? One? Oh, it's the stiff and pissed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I used to believe I, in... Stiff and pissed. I used to believe in <laughs> stiff and pissed and now, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think stretching's good. I condone it. So you got to hit that a little bit. But yeah, typically in, in Utah, we wake up pretty early because traffic... And uh, getting there is an issue, but um, and usually probably have a a little a little doobie before the drive, and then uh, listen to some music, have some good conversations, stuff like that. 
Shane, you got a, you got a take? You know, this year we have been crushing it on the carpooling. I feel like um, maybe it's a touchy subject about, you know, parking reservations at Brighton and whatnot. But I got to say, it's been kind of nice. I mean, if you tap in and it rewards the maybe the people tapping in, it has been so casual compared to the last few years. Come on. Like the last few years, the patty cake of who's going earlier, earlier, earlier. I mean, eventually it's like you don't want to wait at 6 a.m. in the parking lot until it opens at 9. So this year it's been really nice. Bodie and I have been meeting, meeting every day at the bottom of the canyon, casually drive up, just enjoy the process. I feel like it's a game changer. Yeah, traffic is a routine now. Mm-hmm. Part of the routine. Um, you stretch, Bodie? Yeah. Um, I like to stretch after activity. I feel like that's when you get the most out of stretching, especially if you're going to do deep stretching. Um, but I've been having back issues for the past three or four months. Um, so I've been seeing a PT, um, and I've been doing a lot of just super basic stretches and exercises, um, that I hit in the morning. Um, and, uh, just keeping it simple. A lot of just cat cows, pelvic tilts, um, uh, down dog, up dog, um, child's pose. And, uh, I kind of hit a little bit of that, uh, before leaving. Um, but as far as my morning routine, that's pretty much all I do. I, I drink about a half to a full pot of coffee. I don't eat breakfast and, uh, and then I leave the house. I usually eat breakfast about noon and then I eat two dinners late. (laughs) Wow. I like that. So yeah, you basically drink a pot of coffee and then breathe into a brown paper bag because you're hyperventilating. (sighs) Yeah. That's what happened to me if I drink a pot of coffee. Holy shit. I think it's also important uh, in terms of the morning routine to talk about, like, bowel movements. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> that's that's a pretty, that. like, timed that's a, departure. Yeah, that's also a big part, I think, of morning mm-hmm. routines in general. But Tell us about it. I, I mean, you know, you want to dump before you jump. That's a big... That's a big thing as well. Oh, you, if I don't you know, poop before I leave the house, my day's ruined. I, I just don't go. Yep. Smart. Do you po- just poop before in. you leave the house and then drive up, and then you also have to poop at the mountain. That would be depends on that would big, be ideal. <laughs> depends on how big the jump is. Do you guys poop <laughs> in front of your significant other? No. Like with the door open. <laughs> I mean, you know, like eventually, like, at some point in your relationship, they're gonna see you do it. Mm. So, do you? Do you guys? Are you open to that? No. Some things you need to keep private. But have you seen the dual toilets? The, yeah, where they're the looking at toilets. each other. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. are romantic. Yeah. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got a great uh, segue into an Instagram question from Friends on Hill. Uh, best shit your pants story. Mr. Hale stated, you can't trust anyone who doesn't have a good poo pants story. Uh, anybody want to take this one? <sighs> go, Harrison. I'll go for it because I, I, this one's like kind of, it's kind of half pooping your pants. But... Um, I was on a trip with my wife and we I think I can't remember <laughs> I'm getting it kind of mixed up but basically we're at the beach and I had some stomach problems and um I didn't know what to do where to go and, and uh so I ran into the ocean and an uh, ocean dump. and I went for an ocean dump and I was I mean I had my swim trunks on so it's kind of half you went aquatic on them with well, the shorts Well, yeah, it's on. like half shitting your pants because I was wearing swim trunks. So. Wait, 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 wait. Walk us through this. Why Pant- didn't you take your yeah. shorts off? No, I did. I pulled them, oh, okay. I pulled them right. down yeah. a little bit <laughs> in the water. Okay, you know? so you didn't shit your pants in the water. 
I mean, they were trout. still on, they were still on, but yeah. Did it float to the surface? What happened? It was the it was, was a sinker. It was liquid. Okay. Liquid. Wow, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> that's so you didn't really shit your pants. You kind of diarrhea. Exactly. You had an aquatic diarrhea. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's the closest I got. That's a bombhole first. Aquatic diarrhea. I don't think that's been discussed on the show. Probably a You're freeing welcome. feeling. Yep. It was actually pretty nice. I would do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a code brown scenario, they call that. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's hit a big park jump, I've shit myself a couple times. It's told it on air. Don't need to do it again. Uh, anybody else want to take uh, take point on this, or should we move on? I shit my wetsuit once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another aquatic that's jump. So um, that's terrible. Actually it was, I was a very I was very young, like eight or nine or something, and yeah. I was at daycare in uh, California in Santa Cruz, where I grew up, and uh, I was. I was too embarrassed. I was a little kid, and uh, I was at daycare around a bunch of other kids, and I didn't tell anybody. I just, um, but the the daycare that I went to was walking distance from the from the beach, so um, I just didn't say anything and just held it in my wetsuit for hours until I was just like being super awkward back at the house and like hanging around the yard. <laughs> and I was so scared of being a little kid, and I was so embarrassed. And then finally. Uh, the, you know, the daycare person was like, you know, you, you stink. You smell like shit. Yeah, you smell like shit. What happened? And, uh, yeah, and, uh, stripped me down and they hosed me off in the backyard. Nice. A A little pressure washer going Yeah, like a pressure washer. Nice. It was, uh, it was pretty traumatic at the time. I'm not going to lie. Might want to talk to a therapist about that. There might be some residual effects Mm. from that. Yeah, I feel like I would have heard about that story years ago. Um, You're holding it back. If you were going to shit any... Article of clothing, I think don't do it in a wetsuit. Yeah, not ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know the um, fake shit in the wetsuit when you're in the surf lineup <laughs> would be pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh Clear out the whole area. Yeah. You're, oh just saying, just you're saying. You're just going to be bagging that left. Nobody nobody around. Like, uh, <laughs> no paddle back. Or, you know, just pull the trunks down and let it rip, you know, yeah. because that sounds really freeing. I like the mm-hmm. idea of it. Have you guys ever heard the Scott Stevens war story, uh, war paint? Have you guys ever heard that? No. I think he like Maybe? shit in the woods filming once and somehow got it on his hand and then somehow had a streak on his face. <laughs> and then they were wow. they referred to it as uh, war paint. It's uh Oh my god. So yeah, if you ever That's hear brutal. that reference. Uh sorry Scott. Wow. <laughs> Apologize for throwing you directly under the bus. Great on image that. though. But great war image. paint's a great reference. Hopefully uh, a he got a- the trick. I mean, it's definitely a power move if you're trying to intimidate. Maybe at the top of a contest run, if you want to get inside someone's head, a little psychological warfare. Natty Select. What about in in sports? You know, instead of like black uh, eye paint, you yeah. just smear shit all over yep. yourself. Eye um, black. Yep. And then nobody yep. wants to tackle no you. No one yes. wants to get you. Damn. Yeah. These yeah. are. This is good. This is good all stuff. Right. It's all about establishing alpha male. Uh, Jules, do you want to get in on this? <laughs> Honestly, like people talk about shit stories all the time. I will be so real. I've never had a shit story and I don't really get why all you guys have shit stories all the time. But I did aqua dump for the first time last year. Mm. Didn't really get the appeal. I was like, this just feels weird. Okay. I don't know if you can be trusted, Jules. No, you can't. Well, that's actually, I mean, she did have a story, so. I guess so. All right. She did aqua dump. But it's not like I shit my pants. Like, I have control of my body movements. Oh, okay. She's in control, guys. We have no control. Sphincter control. Yeah, usually it's not, this is like last case scenario. I mean, we're talking high, high impact is I do want to throw yeah, throw something really. out there throw a little note on this topic um Cannonball Dookie kind of a good YouTube video to watch Cannonball Dookie <laughs> Cannonball Dookie yeah Tommy okay. Gesme showed me that one you know that one I'm actually unfamiliar with that uh, body of work oh Worth a checkout? Yes, worth a checkout. I'll look it up. All right, I'm going to move on from this topic. (laughs) Apologize to the three listeners that are still left. 
And we're going to continue. Kyle Skyberg wants to know, not much of a question, but wow, just really tough time for 49ers fan. Bodie, I'm guessing you want to field this one. God damn it. Um, yeah, I, we are the, the new age Buffalo Bills. Um, in a span of five years, we've lost three Super Bowls. Um, oh, no, no, 10 years. We've lost three Super Bowls, two uh, Super Bowl losses in the last four years. Um, and it just really, really, really sucks. Um, but I moved past it. You know, I still love my team. But when we did lose the Super Bowl, it was crushing. It was crushing. It was like when you're out filming all day and you are on the ver- verge of getting like the, the best clip you've ever gotten and you just fail and you want to cry and you want to lash out, break your board, break everything and just scream at the world. But then, uh, you know, you can't just go on living like that. You can let it out for a little bit and then, you know, reset and life goes on. So um, I had a freak out. I almost broke the door on my uh, garage. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I screamed and cried for 10 minutes and then I was good. Love that. Good recap. You know, now, we'll be back next year. You gotta, we got to talk about the Lions win. Um, the the conference finals there. Uh, I was at your house for that. Um, just that to paint a picture. Electric. Legendary game. Bodie was essentially part of the team. I think the offensive coordinator may have had Bodie's number, might have been calling him for some plays. Bodie's wearing a 49ers helmet, uh, letterman jacket, uh, jersey. He was basically third string. He's on the practice yeah, lineup. I was ready to be put in the game yeah, he uh, was. if they needed me. Yep, well, uh, punching himself in the head to get himself mm-hmm. fired up. Mm-hmm. It was it was something to watch. They should have let me in in the Super Bowl because Dre Greenlaw freaking uh, snapped his Achilles tendon trying to run on the field. And, uh, you know, I, I was a linebacker um, growing up, so uh, I could have took his place. I, I could have helped out the team. Yep. You know, put me in, coach. Next year. You next know? year. Next There's year. always next year. <laughs> okay, we got another question from Desiree. What is a Shaneism? Give us some examples. Uh, don't look at me, guys. Uh, I just talk. It's always sunny above the clouds. Oh, I love it. that one. That's a great Shaneism. I love that one. And it's also a fact. It, 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 is, it is a fact. Yeah, um, a, fact. a Shaneism is essentially a as you're building a cheese wedge or you're on your way to a prob- most likely backcountry feature or you're hiking up the mountain, Shane is essentially a philosopher dropping one-liners one after another, and it's a goddamn clinic of philosophy. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's a modern day Plato or Homer or, you know, any of those, um, Stoic honestly, I, sh- I, sh- I want to start carrying a tape recorder just so I can record him and then we can make a Shaneism book at one point. Cause I don't know about Shaneisms, but I always say <laughs> never on schedule, always on time. You know what I mean? Oh, that's a great Shaneism. That's a fact. That's, that's a good one. They can also, they often start with it's funny cause. Oh, that's his favorite thing that's to say. It, well, it's it. funny because <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the reality is, is what we're doing every day is um, like if you spend time with Chris and Bodie together, it's just um, a scenario that lasts the whole time. That is basically um, all of the movies that you may have seen in your life all wrapped up into a conversation piece of lines. And um, so my role is just to be the motivational speaker and just say stupid shit like never on schedule, always on time. And then mm-hmm. so that's that's what happens. He actually wears a Tony Ro- Robbins motivational <laughs> headset actually yep. while building jumps. <laughs> and he brings an amplifier as well. So it really helps. Well, I'm actually more like the buffer between you guys doing the lines back and forth. Yeah. So I just keep the void. 
connected. Well, well me and Chris, we don't make any sense. Yes. And then you chime in with some thing that hits us over the head that's like, it sounds funny, but you're like, wow, that was fucking deep. Yep. And it kind of hits us, like, you know, in the feels. Yeah. Like to give you an example, I'm probably saying something like, is it true that you struck Derek in the face, causing him to fall from the tree, which is a stepbrother's <laughs> reference? And Bodhi will probably cue up an Anchorman, Blades of Glory, um, something along those lines. McGruber. McGruber. is a great one. Yes. You know, it really keeps the wheels turning. <laughs> That's what it does. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a couple more questions, and then we're going to put a bow on this thing. Viewfinder Media wants to know, what does it mean staying surf-minded, Shane? Uh, staying surf-minded. Um, when I refer to that, it's, um, it's about... Um, the daily steps you take every day, you know, it's, um, like staying surf minded, um, just cause there's no waves doesn't mean people don't go to the beach or go spend time at the ocean. And similar to us in the mountains, it may not be the best day, but you're going to go up, hop on the lift, maybe go for a hike, spend some time, go for a walk, you know, rip around. And by doing that, when the days finally hit and it's prime conditions, you're just, you're honed. You're in there. You're tapped in. So that's being surf-minded. 90% of doing it is showing up. Or using a mechanical or regular pencil to kind of like do the 720. Yeah, yeah. That's well, you I, know, as long 10%. as you say according to a new study, people will believe you. <laughs> so yeah. according to a new study, 200% <laughs> of the time, if you just show up, something will happen. That's a fact. Now, another one, this is from Shout Out to Bush. Ask Shane what it's like being a tiger amongst woodland creatures. <laughs> um, it's adorable. It's cute. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that question. Um, I think we're all just doing our role, you know? That's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're doing. <laughs> all right, one of the last subjects we're going to get into, Bodie was ranting the other day. Uh... He's not a fan of uh, colorful bindings. Um, I would love to hear you elaborate on that. Bright bindings. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to be t a hater, but it's just they, they just bother me. When I see a bright colored pair of bindings, that's all I can focus on. And it just takes away from the snowboarding. And I feel like, you know, we have big boots and big bindings and big boards. And it's like, you know, it just, it's too many big things on you. And like, if you highlight the bindings, it, they make them look twice as big and it just takes away from, from the, from the art form of, of snowboarding. And, uh, I just, I just can't handle bright colored bindings. I don't know. What do you guys think? That's yeah, a hot take. <laughs> I'm against it as well for me personally. Um, just cause I have had experiences in the past where I was given, I was given some bright colored bindings and then felt like I needed to use them and then uh, saw the footage and uh, was disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, even white is a little too bright for me. I'm like, uh, bindings? Uh, I feel like black bindings are, are good, great, leave it there. And I love bright colors. I like sparkles. I like rainbows. I like all the stuff, just not the bindings. I don't know why. Just I think it's also mostly, it's like the toe cap. If the toe cap is like a crazy color, that's very disruptive <laughs> but like if it's just your high back you don't have to look at it and maybe mm. it, maybe there's some middle ground well there you gotta where... look at it if it's in the footage yeah what what yeah. do you think jules well first i was like when me and chris were talking about this i was like getting a little defensive because i thought you were going to be coming at 
colorful bindings jugular and I was ready to defend colorful bindings. <laughs> I think I'd need to review some footage, like some actual video parts and get back to you on that. But for, for the casual border, from the casual border, I love a pair of colorful bindings. I like a little flavor on the mountain. And they're okay. cute, like, but maybe I have like small cute boots and like it's just like cute. Okay. I respect that. <laughs> I respect your opinion. Thanks. And this is I, I don't care if you're you know if you're just the enthusiast or whatever and you like cool colorful bindings um i'm all i'm all for it but just when i see like really good footage of somebody snowboarding and i'm like damn that was so cool that person is so good and they look good but those bindings man they're just fucking crawling under my skin um what if they were glow in the dark i was just thinking that because i feel like glow in the dark ones would be pretty cool if it was glow in the dark and it was night footage um yeah i could reconsider Okay. Wow. A little bit of a curveball here. What's your take, Chris? Uh, well, my take, I, I think what you're describing too is personal preference. Personal preference is great. We all got personal preference. I got tons of shit that I like and don't like, and, and it's great to, to have personal preference. And and I noticed you took a shot at white bindings, and I've always been, um, I've been a white binding connoisseur for damn near a decade here. Even when I get other colored bindings, I spray paint them white. And really? I've, I've always been, if you, if you, if you go down the oh. timeline, it's been, uh, I've been a white binding guy, and, and to me, I, I tend to wear black pants. I like the combination of a black pant and a white high back. I think it looks timeless. But again, we're talking about personal preference. You know, that's that's me. Mm-hmm. I guess white bindings aren't as uh, obnoxious. It's it's the very very bright ones that really get me. But I'd be interested to uh, hear what we'll see what the people what the, say. Yeah, what do, what do the people Drop think about this? Drop a comment at what topic. you think about bindings if you're still listening. You know what I think the tech is? Is you don't wear bindings or. Uh, you don't wear goggles, and then you distract everyone from that, and they don't think about your bindings. <laughs> well, the good thing is if you're, you're like Shane and you're not wearing goggles, you can't actually see anything, so it doesn't matter what kind of bindings. <laughs> yeah, you're just bored by feel. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about if it's like really powdery and people want to see your bindings, you know? Hmm. That's a great point. Minor teal. I'll send you some footage. All right. All right. I'd love to see that. Yes. Review. All right. I think we did it, guys. I think it's been a hell of a show. We covered a lot of ground. We had interview with uh, our boy Charlie, who survived the mountain lion attack. We had Sage Kotzenberg. We had Victor Daviet. We had Nils Mindich. We had Kelsey Boyer. I mean, damn, we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, I think we did it, guys. How do you guys feel? Thanks a lot for having us. Yeah, yeah thank having you. Having me. I'm feeling the love. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jules? <laughs> <laughs> it was a jolly good show. All right. But, uh, yeah, Bodie, thanks for coming on. Shane? Harrison? Uh, lastly, thank you so much to all of our listeners, everybody that tunes in. We appreciate you guys so much. Everybody that shows love and, like, shares screenshots on Instagram, we really appreciate you. All of our sponsors, we couldn't do this without you. All of our Patreon members, you guys rule. And remember, Bombhole Cup is April 6th and 7th, so keep that on your calendar uh, at Brighton Resort. And we got another episode coming at you next Wednesday. Thanks, guys. <laughs>